Blog Talk Radio. April 9th. 
if I, if I, yeah, because I was saying that for a while for, oops, April 9th until the end of June, boxing was just on fire. So April 2nd, if I remember correctly, I don't think that was the, I'm trying to think out loud here. I don't think that was, I don't think there was much that weekend. Here in the States, it's usually because the college basketball NCAA tournament, that's the uh, final four the semifinals and then the finals. So I was just trying to think of like a lighter weekend. I know 4th of July, uh, which was July 2nd weekend, 4th of July weekend, that that's usually a really slow weekend for obvious. But I, I'd say considering Teofimo Lopez is returning and is in the ring, it's a pretty damn slow weekend. So there's not going to be a, a bunch of preview and in-depth predictions and all that. Um. But, you know, we'll ask the question, much like we've talked about Virgil Ortiz, where does Teofima Lopez fit in at the 140-pound division? I think it's an interesting question. Um, you know, he's taken a bit of a lighter touch, you know, this weekend with Campa or Campa. Um, but I get it. He's been out of the ring for a while now. And also, the more we're hearing about the condition that was, you know, he, his body was in, um, in his mental state, you could probably say, in his last fight that Camposa's lost, how, you know, he definitely had some issues going on in that fight. And uh, from their side, if it says they probably shouldn't even been in the ring that night. Um, so it sounds like, you know, it was a very serious issue that Teofimo was fighting with. So, Considering he hasn't been in the ring in a while, he took his first loss, and he had health issues, I think this is fine to get him back, you know, especially if he could maybe sneak in a December fight. That would be pretty dope. I mean, if this one ends quick, he probably would be able to fight, uh, you know, somewhat quickly anyway. We'll we'll see how that goes. Um, But, you know, judging by, was it two weekends ago, I think it was? Judging by the interview that I saw with Tiafimo, it's, I mean, some fighters never let go of a loss and, and say, just swear up and down that they won. It was easy. Um, I don't think he said 10 to 2 this time, which clearly, you know, neither fighter won 10 to 2. And to Tiafimo's credit, major credit to get back in that fight, how it started, and obviously his health condition during the fight just fighting through that, showing a lot of heart. But it wasn't some sort of, you know, beyond the knockdown early, I I won the fight easily. It wasn't anything like that. So still a little, I don't know where he is in his mental state. I'll just be honest. But he is back this weekend, so we will be previewing a little bit of that. Um, not much on the undercard. I mean, a talented fighter, uh, but not necessarily in a, in a big matchup just yet. Um, we do have some fight news out there. Um, Joseph Diaz Jr. is signed to fight William Zapata. I'm really excited for that. We'll give you a little bit more details. There is a U.K. Uh, heavyweight fight that got signed, too, that we'll definitely talk a little bit about. Um, and then a variety of stuff. I mean, over the last few weekends or not weekends, but shows, podcasts. It, it's been my my messages have been lighting up, and it's it's just kind of funny some of the stuff that people will message me. Um, 
whether I'm, uh, you know, anti-PBC or pro-PBC and I'm bending over backwards to make it, you know, even the A side, you know, saying Gervonta's the A side, which is, is a clear thing. It's not really – you can listen to Oscar De La, De, De La Hoya if you want, but, I mean, it, it's pretty basic stuff that I'm talking about. So I really don't want to go too deep into that, but I do have a little pushback. Um, I mean, just talking about the negotiations, it's not something I really want to have a, you know, discussion week after week after week about the potential – um, Gervonta Davis, Ryan Garcia negotiations, whether they're happening or not. Um, all I know is Oscar De La Hoya is sending, you know, mixed messages. <laughs> and literally, like, on a Friday, like last Friday, he said something in front of the camera. And then after the fight on Saturday, he said something completely, uh, you know, the opposite. And in fact, he said he's going to Teofimo Lopez's fight. He's going to be there, and that's who Ryan Garcia is going to target next. So I really don't know. But like I said, when it comes to the A-side stuff, I mean, come on, dude. Like, Just because Oscar De La Hoya says they're even, they're the same thing, it's just not true. You can just go by their date numbers in their last fight, you know? Uh, so I don't, I don't really want to get into this long segment or anything like that. Um, I'm just kind of minorly addressing it. Um, but I will play some audio of Oscar. Like I said, it's just mixed messaging. And it doesn't seem like, you know, if anyone from the camp, like when Floyd comes out and mixed message, which, you know, he does plenty of, um, people let him have it. They talk about it. Not necessarily let him have it because they're not talking to him in an interview or whatever. But, you know, they, they say what should be said. You know, media members I'm talking about. I'm not talking about fans. But it just seems like De La Hoya just gets, you know, doesn't get, you know, doesn't. I mean, don't get me wrong, his outside the ring stuff, he got plenty of, you know, heat for maybe too much, I think. But because um, you know he's had his struggles, we all have our struggles, so I feel for him there. But anyway, yeah, I'm sure people will message me during this show and say I'm ducking this or ducking that. But I do have some audio if we want to talk about you know, anything when it comes to that. But either way, um, if this is your first time listening to the Rope and Dope Radio podcast, welcome. It streams live right here on blogtalkradio.com forward slash Rope and Dope Radio. You don't have to go to Blog Talk and Rope and Dope and download the show directly there or listen to the browser, browser, excuse me, if you don't want to. You can find the platform, Rope and Dope Radio on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Player FM, TuneIn, uh, Spricker, Stitcher, even Amazon Music, Google Podcasts. While you're at it, why don't you head on over to thegruelingcute.com. And one more thing, if you're thinking about cutting the cord or you have, you're not quite happy, i got something for you. It's called Direct TV Stream. It's the best of live TV and on demand. The prices start as low as $69.99 for two months. The first two months, that's $40 off for Direct TV Stream. Um. And also, if you upgrade to the Choice or Ultimate that package, that'll give you HBO Max, Showtime, Stars, Epics, and Cinemax for three months. So there's no annual contracts, no hidden fees, no satellite dish required. That's DirecTV Stream. And I do believe DirecTV and Showtime still have that $5.99 a month for three months deal going on, boxing fans, just so you know. Anyway, and it's so funny because... <laughs> 
I guess I shouldn't have said anything. I'm already getting these uh <laughs> already getting some messages here. Um they want me to start start by, you know, proving the audio of Oscar saying two different things as if, you know, as if it didn't happen or something like that. It's like, come on, dude. I mean, it, he's a promoter anyway. I mean, saying two things out of your mouth, is that really that weird? <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, that's kind of what promoters do. But anyway, let's get to Virgil Ortiz, shall we? Let's get to Virgil Ortiz and McKinnison. Um, you know, right away, it took a little time, like I said, to get the motor running, I guess you could say, or warmed up, because he's been out of the ring for a while, um, like a long time, and he's a come-forward fighter, and he, you know, he, he likes to start fast, and um, McKinnison, I gotta say, he landed a few clean left hooks, some quick combinations, and that may have been enough, you know, to win the round. Some people thought he did. I think, was it the first or second round? I think his first round with that accidental headbutt. I think it was the left eye caused a cut. Ultimately, he was okay from it. But um, Ortiz landed plenty in that round, too. Um, his hooks were landed pretty well um, as the round went on. And I think down the stretch, 20 or 30 seconds left, something like that, he did land a big right hand. So that could have stolen the round there. But a lot of people I, I noticed did, you know, give uh, McKinnison that first round. Um, Ortiz kind of was just started to pump the jab, landing his left hook. Um, by the third and fourth round, you could see he was, you know, going to the body. Uh, pretty well. Nice body shots, just landed the bigger shots. I did think, especially in the first maybe five rounds or something, he was missing his power shots too much. In fact, I think he said it in the presser, the post-press fight con uh, contest, conference, I think he said that, you know, he was headhunting a little bit too much, and you could see, you know, he did kind of move down more to the body. Left hook to the body in the head was probably his, his best punch um, along with the jab, I thought that was pretty good. You know, by the time we got to the fifth and sixth round, the sixth round had some two-way exchanges, um, no doubt about it. Um, and Ortiz landed the better shots, but still just not able to necessarily follow up with more power shots. And some of that was just Ortiz coming forward and, and getting that rust off. Some of it was McKinnison doing that southpaw, awkward, crafty stuff. You know, he, he is a good fighter. He did, I mean, I got to say, he did land some really good punches on uh, Ortiz, McKinnison did. I mean, there's just no no doubt about that. I would say by the seventh round, you could start to see signs, clear signs of McKinnison slowing down. Some of that was the body work, obviously. Um, more and more, it just started wearing down. He did, I think it was a left hook to the body in the eighth round that scored the, the knockout, or knockdown, excuse me. Uh, McKinnison, like I said, moving a lot more, not landing much at all. It's just slowing down. Um, early in the ninth round, it was a left hook that Ortiz said he didn't even land great, didn't even land really hard, but I guess he had just you know hit the exact spot he had just been hit in because you could tell that McKinnison was in some pain. 
And uh, he was also kind of limping. Maybe his leg or knee got a little folded over. I'm not really sure. He just hurt, it seemed like, uh, to the body overall. Like I said, at the end, they even said it on the broadcast a little bit that maybe he, he was having some issues with his leg or knee after that. But the corner threw in the towel. It was over. So Virgil keeps his knockout streak alive, which is, you know, pretty damn impressive. Like I said, Minnesota. McKinnison was uh, – I literally was just reading something real quick, and it said Minnesota. Um, McKinnison was game, though. I'll give him some credit. Um, but Ortiz was just too much. There is talk out there that – and this isn't just in this fight, that Ortiz just gets hit a little too much. He does have fundamentals as a come-forward fighter. Um doesn't have a lot of upper body movement. He has faced some guys that can move a little bit and do some damage on the outside. This is one of them. And especially early in the fight, first chunk of rounds, he, he definitely got hit with some pretty clean shots. Um, a couple of them kind of backed him up and made him reset. Maybe that was just, hey, this guy can't punch. I'm coming forward. But, you know, obviously when we go to the top-level stuff, that's where, you know, that could come into play, obviously. Um, Before we do talk about, you know, how he would fare against the top-level guys, um, let's talk about that Blair Cops fight against Maurice Hooker. Well, first off, and I'm not taking any credit away from Cops, but... If we're being honest, I mean, clearly Hooker was overweight. They had to adjust it to, what, 50 or something like that. It was supposed to be 47. His body didn't look great. It looked soft. Um, In the first handful of rounds, he looked slow, sluggish. His jab was barely even even crisp. Um, Now, he's a good fighter. I'm not trying to take away a lot from Hooker. And like I said, I'm not trying to take away from Cobbs either. This is a big win for him. But if we're being honest, he looked like shit, you know, especially in the first handful of rounds. I mean, Cobbs, um, I think it was a left uppercut that kind of landed, but then it was, uh, this is like under a minute to go. Then it was the overhand right that caused the knockdown in the first round. And then early on in the second round, Cobbs again, I think it was like, uh, well, they. I think it was a straight left. I don't think it was a jab. I think it was a straight left that, uh, well, I suppose, you know, I think they did call it a jab now that I think about it. Um, landed a, a pretty clean shot there, scored a knockdown. Later in that, landed like two flush lands. I think it was a left hand that ultimately did it for the second knockdown in that round. So after two rounds, you're like, wow, okay. <laughs> like, I didn't expect this. You know, that's for sure. Even though Mauricio Hooker, you know, like I said, his body looks soft. He came in overweight. They had to adjust the weight. I will credit him, though, for, for like, surviving this little onslaught at the start because a lot of guys, maybe they just mentally check out. But uh, the third and fourth round, you saw Cobbs kind of go into pot shot mode, or not kind of, go fully into pot shot mode on the outside boxing 
um, which was pretty smart at that time. I did think Hooker did enough in the middle rounds to win a few rounds. I gave him the fifth. Uh, he started getting his jab going, getting those uh, cobwebs off or whatever, um, and then landing right hands. I think that was key. And although Hooker late in the fight seemed oops, seemed kind of tired too, I'll say this. Blair looked like he was getting gassed or at least somewhat tired, and he was moving a lot, which a lot of people don't like, but it does make you tired. I'll always say that. That's a given. But um, – yeah, I did think, like I wrote it in my notes in the sixth round, that it looked like Cobbs was fading a little bit. And um, the jab, the hooks, more right hands uh, by Hooker was winning. He, yeah, I gave him the sixth. Um, the seventh round, I thought the pot shots and movement, like a looping pot shots from Cobb was enough in that round. Um, there was an early accidental headbutt, but then I think in the eighth round there was another one – I don't think it was right on his eye, Cobbs. I think it was on his cheekbone they were talking about. But a very slow round. Um, and Cobbs was just moving so much by that time. And I understand you have the lead because those are, you know, three early knockdowns. But it's hard to give him a round if he's just moving so much. I mean, we're talking about, same with the ninth round, too. Cobbs was on his 10-speed bicycle going downhill. I mean, this dude was... Maybe even like on a mountain bike to head gears. I don't know. But he was moving way too much to give him that round. So there was probably a round or two that Hooker established his jab. Like I said, mixed in right hands and hooks. But some of maybe the other two rounds that I gave him or so, it was just because Cops wasn't doing anything. Not much happened. There was some two-way in the 10th round. Overall, though, Two scorecards had it 97-90, and one had it 96-91. I had it about 6-4. I could even possibly see a 5-5, but those knockdowns for cops, you know, did it. But I had it 6-4. Like I said, when you look at the fifth, sixth, eighth, and ninth, those four rounds, you know, you can give them to them. You really can. Maybe you went 7-3. I don't know. I'm not saying 5-5. Five, five. It has to be. But, you know, where does Hooker go from here? I mean, I would say gatekeeper, but Blair Cobbs is a prospect. He's an older prospect. But, you know, I don't know. I really don't know where he's going to go from here. And if he's having problems making 147, and I know he had some outside-of-the-ring issues, and, you know, he, he wasn't 100% focused for some reasons, and I get that. I totally get that, but this hasn't been his only mediocre performance, you know what I mean? Since having some nice wins, what was it, Sacedo, he had a really good win on, I think that was on ESPN, if I remember correctly, and then he won probably two rounds, maybe three, I think it was like two rounds against uh, Jose Ramirez, good fight, but then he got stopped, and ever since then, you know, it's been kind of up and down, but Blair Cobbs keeps whatever career he's got going, fringe contender, um, going. I mean, I, I don't even know if I – at 147, I probably wouldn't call him a fringe contender. But once again, credit to him coming off a bad loss, a knockout loss over uh, by Rocha. I mean, I, 
I, I, I'm pretty, you know, it's kind of cool for him. Like he's a, he talks a, a ton, you know, and it's a little funky sometimes when guys talk so much and then they don't back it up pretty much whatsoever. Um, no, don't get me wrong. You know, he, he does, I don't know. He has some, some performances that have been fun. He is entertaining. I mean, on boxing Twitter, he, people like the guy, people like the guy. And he kind of set himself up after that knockout loss to get kind of dragged on Twitter, but that's what happens. You know, that's what happens. If you talk a bunch of trash, you're going to get dragged after. That's just how it goes. If you lose shit, even if you win sometimes, even if it's a tight fight, you'll get dragged. So I do want to, you know, send a shout out to him though. I was a little hard on him in the past. Just because when guys talk this much shit to, like, the top-level guys, Crawford and, and Spence and all this stuff, when it's like, dude, you, you didn't even beat a prospect, man. What are you, what are you doing? You know, it's, it kind of rubs me the wrong way. Not talking shit. No, not, not at all. But don't get that confused. But I, did, I don't know, man. There's just – sometimes guys go a little over the top, and then it's like, dude, you got to prove that in the ring, man. You know what I mean? So, but I'm happy for him in that sense. You know, I don't know exactly. There's a lot of welterweights at a couple different tiers, I guess you could say. I really wouldn't want to see him, you know, on that top, top, tippy top level uh, because, you know, he hasn't proven he should be in that fight. You know, I don't want to see him against Virgil Ortiz next or something like that, you know. And to be fair, it's not like, you know, Oscar's out there saying that's the fight we're going to make next or nothing like that, you know. Um, and they did make that, was it a WBA special? Which one was it? Was it the WBA or WBO? I don't know. I think it was the WBA. I can't remember. But they did make that um, for a title eliminator. A lot of people now say, well, he's the mandatory. Well, he's not the mandatory until it gets called. And we know that. Well, I don't know. I mean. I assume Spence has only got one fight, maybe two fights at welterweight. And that would be probably a, if they made the Crawford fight in a rematch. Um, I guess if that fight didn't happen, maybe he could randomly fight Keith Thurman. That would still be a big fight. It'd be an interesting fight. If we can't get Crawford, I, I want that. If, I mean, I, as a consolation prize, please, if we can't get the Crawford Spence, Please make Spence Thurman at least, right? But I'm still holding out, you know, the the hope that that gets done. But, yeah, I mean, like I said, there's literally a couple tiers of of welterweight because it's still a very deep division, whether it's, like I said, the elite guys or just guys right in between. I mean, I think cops could make a nice little living here, but, you know, good for him. Good for him. Big upset. I wish I would have put some money on him. <laughs> um, oh, and uh, Esparza. She had a good performance. The Guzman. She 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 went out there and did her thing. She, uh, you know, I mean, Guzman was game. She she definitely was pretty tough customer, but I did like what I saw uh, out of out of her. So she got a win too on that card. Um, that's probably the only ones that I'll, I'll go in depth on. But as far as like Virgil Ortiz goes, right? Um, 
you know, defense, I think he does have an issue defensively at the elite level. Now, he's got elite level power, it would seem. We need to see him knock down an elite fighter, I guess, to say it's elite level. But, you know, he's won every fight by knockout. And it's not like he's just been, you know, having, like, walkover. I mean, you could say they're walkover fights, I guess, because he he turns some of them into those. If you look at the amount of fights he's had, which is not many, you know, I mean, the guy's only on his 19th fight. He's knocked everybody out. I mean, a couple years, actually a year ago, he beat Hooker. Yeah, it almost, it had, someone actually texted me saying it hadn't been that long since he, he fought um, Kavaloskis. Hold on, let me check really quick. That was last summer. That was damn near, yeah, that was, that was eight, four, so August 14th, 2021. So you're looking at about a year ago. That's the last time he's been in the ring. He was going to fight in March, but he got, you know, he got diagnosed with that issue and, and now he's over it. But I mean, you could say, oh, he hasn't fought anybody. Yeah. When he fought, uh, let's say like Mauricio Herrera in 2019, he wasn't, you know, in his prime anymore. You could say the same thing about Orozco. Um, but Brad Solomon, not in his prime anymore, but this is what, you know, this is what you do as a young fighter, you know, you, you fake, you, you need this experience. You fight guys like this. Um, he got to the ninth round. That's the longest he's been. He, you know, his last fight, well, he, let's see, a, a year and a half ago, something like that. He, he got seven rounds with Hooker and then Samuel Vargas, seven rounds, um, like I said, the mean machine, who's got plenty of power, he had some success against him. And, and, and Virgil just might be one of those guys that you have success against, right, as far as, you know, defense, he, the lack of, maybe I should say. Um, but, you know, I, I, I don't know. I just don't – I don't think – you know, can he, can he get a better guard and keep working at it? Would he be more focused on it? you know, and really sharper and not looking for, not that he looks for a knockout, but he even admitted it in this fight. It did seem like he was looking for a power shot up top in the head. And, and once he started going to the body more and more, then that came anyway. You know what I mean? So, and that's usually not his style to head hunt all day. You know, the guy goes to the body. Like I said, he's a fundamental offensive fighter who at times has shown some defense deficiencies, no doubt, defensive deficiencies. But, you know, I've seen him have a pretty tight guard. I've seen him uh, be able to stand there and land the better, straighter punch in an exchange. Um, Like I said, the upper body and head movement and all that, that's something that maybe he works on a little bit more and we just don't see it because he hasn't fought at the top level yet, but... Either way, you know, think he beats Terrence Crawford. Him and Spence would be a war. Um, I still think Spence, some of the things he showed against uh, Mikey Garcia, as far as the jab and at range, I think he beats him. Um, Thurman is interesting because I think Thurman 
can definitely cause some problems with his feet and his ability to counter. And it's a, it, it'd be the biggest puncher he's been in the ring with, obviously. I mean, don't get me wrong. Mean Machine it has real deal power, just as Terrence Crawford. But he's limited as an overall fighter, whereas we've seen plenty of times where, you know, where Keith will stand right in there and trade and land the better shot. He did that against Porter. He did that against Pacquiao. But we know he's has some issues to the body. I mean, that's just, that's just facts, dude. I mean, you can back his career up even before, you know, uh, Porter hurt him to the body or, or uh, Colazzo. You can go further back than Colazzo hurting him to the body. So we know Pacquiao hurt him to the body. So, I don't know, but it's been since July 2019 since he's been in there with an elite fighter, Thurman. And sure, you could say, well, Ortiz has never been in the ring at the pro level with an elite fighter. And I, I still think uh, Thurman, especially what we saw with Barrios, that he's elite. But, you know, if you got problems to the body, and, and let's say this, I, I'm not going to... Some of that's due to probably losing weight, like losing too much weight, gaining too much weight, and having to lose it during camp. I'm sure some of that plays into that. But even when he was a little bit more strict with his stuff and just better, not blowing up, being more active, uh, he still, like I said, Colossal still got him to the body. So, and we know, whatever you think of Virgil Ortiz, right, defensively, the guy can hurt you to the body. So that's what, in, in just this gap of time where he, he's taking time off, so much time off, like if you see who he's fought, he's fought really solid fighters, of course, I'm talking about Thurman, I mean Porter, Danny Garcia, uh, Pacquiao, who, that was Pacquiao as far as now, his last great performance. Um, I, I don't know. You know, sometimes when you have too many gaps, I know he just fought this year, so that's good, that was in February. Um, but I think that would be a close fight, maybe not on the scorecards, because I do think that, you know, the movement, the jab, the hand speed, the timing, I think all that lends itself to Thurman being up on the cards. But in the same breath, it's like, mm, you know what I mean? I, I don't know. It's just... There's something about maybe he would be able to break him down. But, you know, other guys that have power, too, or at least a lot of pop, uh, we can't say Porter and Garcia have the same amount of power as of right now. You know, um, it, it would seem Virgil Ortiz, especially when you're young like this, um, I don't know. It seems like he has more power. There's more on his shots, but, you know, would he be more chasing him down? There's times where he was missing in hitting air, you know, against the other guys, not in just, just in this McKinnison fight, but other fights, but especially this fight. But, you know, he's off for a year, so what are you going to do? Anyway, the Thurman fight, I think, is more of a toss-up. And a lot of that has to do, well, with what I explained, right? Um, a fight that I actually think is potentially there to make. The PBC does have some 147-pounders. Most of it's at 154 as far as the young young guns. Um, 
Your Dennis Ugas, you know, if it's not next fight, sometime next year, I would love to see, and Ugas is a name that I think for the right kind of money, Al would be willing to allow other places. You know, we see, like, to fight on the zone is my point. Um, and I don't think there'd be this thing of, well, it has to be, I don't, I just don't see Oscar saying, oh, that would have to be a pay-per-view. You know, I don't, and, and so then it would have to be the PBC and, you know, Dizone. I think that he'd be okay with that. Um, maybe not next, like that's the next fight he takes, but maybe sometime next year if it's for a belt especially. And those belts are going to come free. I mean, one way or another, like I said, whatever outcome we get, I know it's all gloom and doom on boxing Twitter. A lot of the media and fans are, are saying Crawford and Spence, that fight's not happening. It's a lot of gloom and doom. Right now, there's not a ton going on in boxing, right, compared to, I always say it, compared to April all the way to June. July and August has had some good moments, but, you know, it's just, we were spoiled there for a while. So I think, like I said last week, the amount of time people talked about this Jake Paul stuff and the, the, the weight stuff and just certain items, it's like, it kind of tells you right now we're just in, it's the dog days of summer. I mean, that's what it is. It literally is the dog days of summer. So um, I just think next year, if there's a belt free, I don't think, I think there's a possibility that Ugas could fight. I mean, Ugas would be a great fight for Virgil Ortiz. Talk about, you know, a crafty veteran, right, Um, who can box, who can fight at range really well. In fact, that's what he wants to do. He doesn't want to move a ton. He doesn't necessarily want to come forward, um, but he can counter. He likes to, you know, he likes to bait you in. And so I think it would be a great testing ground to really see what Virgil Ortiz is made of at this division. And I know, oh, no, he, he deserves a Thurman or, or Crawford. I get it, man. I get it. I mean, look how long it's expense to get a top-level guy. It came down to the IBF forcing the fight, you know. Um, so it is what it is, you know. And he had to wait. He had, a per- he had a pretty good performance, and he had to wait like nine months, ten months, something like that, eight to ten months to get in the ring. But he said, screw it, I'm going to take this time off. I don't want to get hurt in a fight. And he, he got the job done against Kel Brook, you know, on the road. in Shetfield, I believe. So his time will come, you know, it's good that he's getting more rounds and more rounds. I don't think he would stop Thurman. Um, But like I said, that body work might slow down Thurman enough to where he is in retreat mode. You know what I mean? But I, I, I say by in the mid, let's say that Thurman Ortiz fight, I think mid middle fight somewhere in the mid, I would say, I could see Thurman up cleanly. And then the second half of the fight is where Virgil would really have to uh, pick it up. And I think that's where, that's where we might see him overtake him potentially. I don't know. Um, but Thurman will be on the move and he's got much faster feet uh, than say a Ugas. 
I'm not saying Ugas can't move, but like I said, he likes to sit in the pocket or on the on the at range at the back of the pocket, right on the edge. And he he's a crafty ass dude. And, and some of the things that we've seen in the past, whether it's Mean Machine or McKinnison, some of those punches, you know, they're going to come even that much more accurate and that much more solid from a guy like Ugas. So next year, if the belts are up. I wouldn't be shocked, you know what I mean, if that were the case. Now, who knows, maybe by next year, you know, Antoine Russell is up at 147. One of those belts come loose, and and that would be the case. I really don't know, you know what I mean? I'm not totally sure about that, but I think that's like a really great test for him. I really do. But either way, you know, Unfortunately, you know, boxing politics does come into play, but you do want to, you know, you do want to get yourself in a good ranked position. I mean, if like in the WBC, you have Thurman and Virgil Ortiz, one and two, right? He's number one in the WBA. And now it's weird because that's what, when he said, when people talk about he's the mandatory, well, Stan Onius is the mandatory. Because he's got the the second belt. So that's why it's like, well, I don't know. Anyway, Ennis is second in that ranking. Uh, Thurman's right there in third. Um, he's, it's funny, the IBF has the second. The second, it's just not rated, but they have Ennis and Virgil Ortiz. You know, for the Crawford belt, it's Virgil Ortiz and Ennis. And then Thurman's third. And then you do see Connor Ben and whatnot, um, you know. Ugas. Actually, you know what? This is another reason why it's funny. So Ugas was a whatever, like, you know, I guess he did get made full champion or whatever, but Ugas is not ranked in anything except the the WBA. He's fifth. But other than that, I'm looking, it's like, nope, he's not even ranked in any, oh, my bad. He is in the sixth, WBC, that makes sense. But still, I mean, he should be up there a little higher than that. Um, comes free, you know, those belts come free. I really think that that's when you're going to start to see some interesting matchups. And it's just a matter of, you know, maybe it's Thurman Ugas. And then Ugas in a year from time now, all of a sudden he's not as valuable to the PBC. And so he'd be willing to put him in with Virgil Ortiz or something like that. You know what I mean? But, uh, We'll see where it goes, you know. We'll see where it goes. I hope he just keeps fighting solid competition, you know, doing his thing. As far as the uh, ESPN Plus card, uh, Conlin and Mariaga, I mean, this thing took a while to get going. It was pretty damn slow early on. You know, Conlin, first couple rounds, have a couple decent lands here and there, and then he would use his foot movement and upper body movement to get out of the way. Um, still, a re- I'm, I'm looking at my notes right now. Three to third and fourth round, still really slow. Conlon's in control as far as winning the rounds, but he's like in the fifth. I put stick and move and move and move. You know. Um, and by the sixth round, you know, halfway through, you're like, all right, this, this fight kind of sucks now. It like full on sucks now. Um, 
And it's kind of funny. Some and and I get why Conlon fought this way coming off a brutal knockout. I do want to say that the fight sucked, but I get it for this fight. You know, if Conlon can go back to the style he was really starting to mature in, uh, that'd be fine. But Mariaga is not a easy fight to come back to, especially in a sense mentally, right? He, he fought a really smart fight, but it was slow. And even like, even the knockdowns were like, oh, really? Like the first punch, it landed. It was like on the back of the head, but it landed. It was like midway through. It was a knockdown. Like that was like the seventh round or something like that. The eighth round, it was like a head and body combination. Like two, two com- actually, yeah, it was two combos in a row. He, he landed, and it was like an off-balance knockdown, kind of a slip, you know. And then uh, midway through the ninth, Again, midway through, a lot of these happened midway through. It was a left hand, um, you know, that drops them. I think that was a little bit more legit. But two of the scorecards had it 99-98 or 89 or 88. 99-88 and, and then one of them had it 99-89. So, you know, pretty easy win for Conlin. Drops him three times. But like I said, even when the knockdowns were happening, it was still kind of like, eh, it didn't really hurt him or anything like that, but I think this is a case of look mediocre or what? Not he didn't look bad. He just wasn't active. Um, but it's it's a case of you know get the dub, move on, try to get the rematch with Lee Wood, or you should be in a position of getting a, a pretty damn decent fight anyway. Pretty. There might be some big fights in the UK, but at least some decent fights over there. So kudos goes out to Conlon. He got back, you know, on the horse, and uh, which is not easy to do. You know, he didn't take, you know, a long stretch off or anything like that. So I'm sure it felt good to get back. But yeah, the fight did suck. It is what it is. Um, but hey, I'll I'll excuse them, especially for those first six rounds. Just getting back there. But now there was uh, Chris Jenkins and Tyrone McKenna on that ESPN Plus card. That was a good-ass fight. That was a fun, fun fight. And I got to admit, I did think Jenkins should have got the dub. I really do. I do think that. Um, But the action started, like, back and forth right away. Um, I will dig in a little bit more to this fight, kind of going round by round, and maybe some other takes. Uh, but I'm going to go ahead and bring in John into the fold and get his take on what happened this weekend. Like I said, we do have some other stuff. This weekend is a really, really light weekend. And that's saying something when Tiafima Lopez is back in the ring at 140. But, you know, his opponent... Not much there. Even the co-feature is a talented fighter, but he's not really taking on anyone that probably will give him a big, big challenge. Um, But there is some other fight news out there that we'll get to right now, though. Let's bring in John, see how he's doing. What's going on, John? How you doing? Hey, Chris. Uh, Great to be here, as always. And we had a lot of uh, quantity last weekend in boxing, but I don't don't know what we had in terms of quality. It, It was a quantity weekend but wasn't high on the quality. Yeah, I think I'm going to use that in, in the tweet this week because that's a great <laughs> way 
to to put it. It, it was, and and you know, we do run into this um, nowadays, like we talk about, without having all these broadcasters and so many fights, and we do right. run into that. Um, sure, we do get uh, more exposure for fighters in general, or we have, and, and we do. We talk about the mid-level fight, how that's been great. But, uh, yeah, there was a lot of one-sided fight. Really, the, the Jenkins and McKenna definitely was the fight of the weekend. Um, it's not really even close. As far as, uh, I mean, there might have been something I didn't see that's a six-rounder that they slugged it out or something like that. But at, like, the domestic level or world level, I would have to say that was probably the best. Um, but, you know, we did get spoiled from April to all the way through June. So July and August has been hit or miss. Um, let's start though with Virgil Ortiz and his knockout win. He keeps the streak alive, John, going against, you know, a South Park, kind of an awkward style with uh, McKinnison. Um, a lot of folks were talking about how Virgil Ortiz kind of got hit maybe too much in this fight. He had been out for almost a year. Uh, we definitely got to say that, but what'd you think of Virgil Ortiz's uh, performance? And then, how do you think he'd do? I just was kind of discussing some of that, kind of debating with myself about, uh, you know, how Virgil does against the top-tier elite level. Uh, Crawford, Spence, Thurman. And, and and I did think maybe next year, you know, who knows, maybe Thurman and Ugas would fight. But there could be a chance that Ugas, for one of those belts that come free, could be in a scenario where it gets called or they're willing to make that fight because, like I said, Ugas is more of, a, you know, he's on the B side anyway. And, 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 and maybe he would, maybe Al would be more apt to let him go over there at some point and be like, hey, it is for a belt. Um, but we'll talk about that second. What did you think of Virgil Ortiz's uh, performance? He did manage to keep that uh, KO streak alive. Yeah, I thought he was fine. I mean, th- this one was just about exactly what I expected. Um, you know, McKinson's just not not that good, which I you know I said before the fight, and notice with a lot of people, I, I think you got it's a little bit amusing to me, and you know we can all make wrong calls, but it seemed like that, and that's what I thought of McKinson every time every time I'd ever seen him fight, and he only had the two KOs with over twenty wins, but before he came over to America, and and uh, you know he was going to fight Ortiz. And then Alex Martin had to be the late sub when Virgil Ortiz had some problems, uh, you know, with a medical condition uh, involving losing weight and things like that. Uh, you know, there, there was actually a lot of people that were kind of almost trying to go hipster, like, and people, you know, in Europe and the UK, like, go, oh, you're under, you're underestimating, you know, McKinson, and he really brings a lot, and he's this master boxer, and. He's got more power than the two KOs indicates. And I'm like, what guy are these people talking about? And then he looked so bad against Alex Martin, even though he won the fight and it was such a terrible fight. Uh, now, it wasn't his fault Ortiz canceled, but still, McKinson was training for that fight, and, and he looked terrible. Then, then it seemed to quiet down a little bit. Then there was just a couple of outliers going into this one that were still saying he was underestimated and, the rest of the people that were saying that had quieted down. And then there was a couple of people like we, we've been talking and I've been talking. We're just saying that this guy doesn't really bring anything to the table. He never did. And it's a mismatch. 
you know, and I think that's what it was. And what I want to point out, Chris, is, is something because I disagree with the DAZN commentary team when they were saying this during the fight, and I, and I think it's the wrong analysis. And I'm going to go back to it, something you and I have discussed before, and I discussed it before the fight. When McKinson has absolutely no power, none, and this guy, if there's a definition of no power at a division like welterweight, when you're actually getting into, really, for boxing, one of the higher divisions, you know, where you have guys who have power, look at Ortiz with the 100% KO rate, uh, he was doing nothing to win rounds. So if the guy's got no power and he's doing nothing to win rounds, he isn't for survival. And, you know, I said that before the fight, and, you know, the zone team saying, well, at least McKinson's not just in to survive. What, what was the game plan to win the fight? I mean, he, he can't punch. He's not winning rounds. We're into the second half of the fight. He's still not winning any rounds. He's getting outboxed, and he has no power. I mean, you know, the guy, and then the guy gets hit with a few body shots, and, you know, Ortiz is a big puncher, but, you know, folded up and started the next round. You know, he'd had enough, and, and you know, I, the guy, and it's just, he just doesn't have it. You know, he doesn't have that level of talent. It was a mismatch talent-wise, so this was just a time waster, really. Forget about the alphabet ratings, and it played out as expected. I mean, you know, maybe to get a little picky for me, you know, with Ortiz, you know, when, when you, you got to earn there a guy like that that has no power, and we've seen Virgil Ortiz be real aggressive before, and he was plenty aggressive in this, but, you know, he, he really, to me, maybe could have just started throwing headshots at McKinson earlier and, and you know, maybe even being a little reckless because the guy was bringing nothing to the table and, and uh, you know, he had no, nothing coming back. But, again, disagreeing with the DAZN team, it wasn't as bad, but it's a bit like the Tago and Ryan Garcia. And, you know, as some people say, and I've heard trainers say this, you know, you got a guy in Ortiz or Garcia's position, you know, they don't want to get into such bad habits that they get totally reckless when you're chasing this guy down that's in survival mode so you know maybe you don't get that wild and reckless just to get him out of there you know it's kind of that type of thing so you know Ortiz just he was landing body shots along the way and then got to this point in the fight that McKinson went down and then you know we, we didn't didn't want to go anymore really at the start of the next round so my take on that one was no surprises like I say, sometimes you have ones you just you just feel like you had right, and that was one of those there. Uh, I don't I don't think McKinson with that McKinson with that lack of power, and he, he's no great boxer or anything. Uh, I, I don't think he's a he's a threat to anybody. Actually, I was thinking afterward. I always do what you did, Chris. You talk about future opponents, and you try to think of ideas what could happen. I was thinking this this is a guy that's made to order to be a Connor Ben opponent because he can't crack an egg. And he's he's not a he's not a great boxer. I mean, uh, you don't have to worry about what's coming back from him. So uh, I'm not saying that would happen, but I thought yeah, this this would be a perfect guy for the Connor Ben hit list. Uh, and, and you know, Ortiz, like you said, you know, sometimes PBC maybe they get to a guy more at the end. You know, you got a point. Ugas is he's had a great run. It pro, you know you don't want to underestimate the guy. He, he's already had one great comeback, but. You know, it, it, it may very well be he's at a point where he took it as far as he can. 
you know, maybe if Ortiz wanted a bigger name opponent, I mean, uh, at, at this stage, you guys might not have enough offense for him. But you, know, you talk about the other guys, I didn't go lower than that. One thing I disagree with, and this fight's not going to happen because of promotional stuff, let's face it, but I like both of these guys a lot. And believe me, I like Virgil Ortiz a lot. I have for a long time, and I still do. Nothing's changed that. But I see people saying, oh, he's ahead of Ennis. He'd take Ennis. I don't see that. I, I will just say it on that one. I don't see that. Um, Ennis just brings a lot to the table. Um, you know, I think a guy like McKinson, Ennis would have ran out of the ring. I mean, that's a Castillo-Clayton replay for Ennis. And Virgil Ortiz is really good. And uh, but you know I don't even McKinson's not as good as Custio Clayton I'll say that so um, you know Ennis is a Ennis is a guy that you you don't want to be in with right now uh, if you're a welterweight I mean I I just think it's going to be you know who's when's PBC going to give him the big name you know when 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 are they going to when are they going to decide to do that and I mean obviously if you're Heyman and PBC you know you're you're gonna. You want to get the Spence Crawford fight made. I mean, I, I think they do. I think they want the fight. I don't think anybody's probably looking to not have it. It's probably working it out. But I really would like to see that this fall if they can find the right date for it. Um, and I think right. it's a huge fight. But you know, I'm with you. You know, that's going to tie things up for everybody. And then you know, I don't care about the alphabet stuff, but but there's people that do. And you know, for the people that look at it as part of the game, I, I see that more of a, I always call it the alphabet strip tease. I mean, I don't think Ortiz and Golden Boy have to work out too much. I mean, it's the type of thing where, you know, you let Spence and Crawford fight, and then, you know, it's not beyond the alphabets to start stripping the winner left and right if they feel it's in their interest to get somebody else to fight. For right. So, um, you know, they, they have no hesitation to do that. Look, they just did it with Josh Taylor. So, um you know that so that that's something that I think that would take care of itself like that. That's why I don't worry about that. Like and I know I know you know how that goes too, but but that's why I don't worry about that. Like some, I mean, since Crawford fight, I mean they're, they're not going to hesitate to to stripping the winner. They just don't they just don't care. So, um, but you know we we do see these promotional alliances. You know you, you know Aram and Warren Warren have a lot of WBO stuff, and you know PBC now has a lot of. WBA and WBC stuff. Um, you know, not there are some exceptions, but but you see a lot of it. So you kind of see how it works that way. That was kind of bizarre when they on the alphabet game where all of a sudden right before the fight, I was laughing. It almost reminded me of the Jake Paul thing a tiny bit the week before. That all of a sudden the WBA says that McKinson, even though he's ranked number ten, that. Uh, and Ortiz is, is at the top of their ratings that this is a final eliminator. So why you fight the number 10 guy for your final, for your eliminator or final eliminator or whatever, tell me what sense that makes. I think it was just to, to try to pump up a crappy fight at the end. Um, I, I think a lot of that's that you see that with TV all the time now. It's the bad part about TV being in with the alphabet. So I think that's all that was. But Ortiz, no problems really with the performance. He did what needed to be done. Uh, McKinson didn't really show much as expected. And so, you know, Ortiz moves on, and, and really this was one, frankly, we really didn't need. Um, uh, you know, Golden Boy, if, if they are waiting, I mean, you know, they may just, you know, they may go in-house with Ortiz. I mean, they could have him fight Rocha and, you know, Cobbs, which we can talk about. Uh, Cobbs pulled the upset win and was entertaining in doing it, and he is an entertaining character. He's not going to beat Virgil Ortiz, but 
that's something they might be able to sell to the fans, even though there's not Rocha that seems like that's a possibility. Yeah. I could see that those two as maybe in golden boy terms, Biden time. And, you know, we can talk about this, of course, as well tonight. But, you know, we, we talked about it last week, and it's, it's still there. I mean, you know, the zone's in danger here, they, you know, in their, with their U.S. boxing. I mean, they've got to get something going. So, um, you know, the card like last week wasn't it. I mean, uh, you know, there's no announcement on the Joshua Usyk rematch involving the zone and you know they're going yeah they would have they would have talked about that on the broadcast had they landed it for sure you know yeah they didn't even talk about it on the broadcast and you gotta you gotta market it i mean you gotta market it a little bit it is the united states of america it's not a small market um maybe joshua and music aren't the biggest but let's face it i mean it happened and you and i have talked about it many times before hearn for business reasons took a different route but i mean showtime was legitimately ready to build up anthony joshua and his ratings were good for for you know the u.s i mean his ratings were good so there was something there and i think that's kind of sad that you know joshua's made a lot of money i'm not going to dispute that but in in terms of you know these guys they're fighters they take risks they have egos they want to make a lot of money and get the attention at the same time and they deserve it you know, Joshua's not, you know, he's not getting the U.S. part of the push that he should be. And a lot of U.K. fans always used to say, and, and other fans, well, well, he needs to take advantage of that U.K. market. He, he's having a second big fight in Saudi Arabia. Yeah, so, that's where he can make the I mean, most money. Right. We're not, we're not talking. And, that has, and we know that all has to do with sight fees. But the U.S., you know, when you have a big fight, and with Vegas being back and stuff, I mean, the U.S. provides sight fees. You know, if you have a big enough fight, uh, big sight fees, you know, Vegas. So just saying that, you know, like we were under this impression that Joshua had to fight in the U.K. for money purposes. Well, that has not been the case. You know, so it just seems to me, I mean, I'm, I'm not saying he hasn't made a lot of money, and, and we know it's about getting the money, it's prize fighting, but does seem also like some opportunities have been uh, have been missed and uh, you know one one thing I didn't hear one thing I didn't hear from Eddie Hearn and Chris Mannix where since Showtime had already invested five or six fights you know in Joshua that the PBC and Showtime should get some some part of this deal there's some kind of 50-50 split with the zone and you know I didn't hear any of that it's kind of weird you know even though he did give him – they did give him millions, like you said. They did actually have him going pretty good here, um, which built up to the Klitschko fight, which, as we know, during the day did a, a really good number for Showtime, and then at night still did a healthy number combined on HBO. Combined was – you know, they, they figured that out. Yeah, I don't know. It, it'll be interesting. You know, I, I did get a message here, it, people saying, well, Ennis. You know, they talk about Ennis and Virgil Ortiz, and – I understand. I mean, out of two, two out of the four rankings, he's number one, Virgil Ortiz. And the IBF, Ennis and Virgil Ortiz are one and three. So I understand that people are saying that. But I think – so Ennis is not with the PBC, but he signed literally to Showtime. You know, he signed to the network. So it's very doubtful 
that they would sign him and then allow him go to the zone because it's not it's not just being with the PBC, which is normally the case, whether it's Golden Boy or Top Rank or whatever. But he literally has a deal directly with Showtime, so I highly doubt that Showtime's going to invest this money in him, you know, and, and then ship him over. Um, as far as outside, you know that. People bring up Rashidi Ellis. It's like, hey, dude, he was just with Golden Boy. And so he's not going to, you know, if the fight would have happened, it would have already happened. You know what I mean? So it's, that's not happening, although that's a, an interesting name. But also, um, uh, do, 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 what's his name? I just lost and it. I, uh, not, was, oh, I, I don't think Rashidi Ellis can Putin. Crowley, you know, those are probably the type of names that, like, Butiev, I could see them sending him over, especially if it's for a title or something like that or a vacant whatever. But the Ennis thing just doesn't line up unless it does clearly come down to a purse bid straight up, and it would be more of an equal purse bid because neither are the champion. So, I mean, maybe because, like you said, next year when they start to uh, auction off those those belts that will come free, that's really the only way Ennis and him would fight. I, I just, I think that's a major roadblock because he literally is with Showtime, you know? Yeah, well, you're right. I mean, if he's got an exclusive deal with Showtime, I mean, uh, unfortunately, you know, U.S. exclusive TV deals are largely responsible for leaving boxing to the state it's been in for a long time. I mean, when HBO and Show started having exclusive deals, they just weren't letting their guys go over. They're not fighting anybody else on the other network, just like you said. So, and a lot of times, you know, and you can't really blame them. But there was, you know, fans outside of the U.S. that that were scratching their head. They they just didn't understand the way the U.S. TV worked, and they couldn't figure out why certain guys just weren't going to fight each other. And you know, it's because of the it was because of the exclusive TV deal. So. Yeah, when 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 the guys, you know, the way boxing has been for a long time now, decades. I mean, if there's an exclusive TV deal, that that guy's not fighting on on the other network. I mean, uh, you know, as we've brought up a lot of times, you know, the rare exceptions, like, you know, it's only happened a couple of times, like when you had Lewis Tyson. You know, Lewis was with HBO and Tyson was with Show at that point. You know, coming together on a pay per view, um, it just it just hasn't happened much, you know. You you had the, the rematch of Fury and Wilder, but it, it's just and look, these these are big heavyweight fights. It's just not uh, it's just not something that that happens much. So, yeah, you, know, you would think where Ennis would be going now if he stays at 147 pounds. I hope he does. You know, it would almost be, you know, when Spence and Crawford. Either they they fought each other, and if one's still going to hang around, then you know you open the door to an Ennis as maybe the the next star, or, or they both move up to 154 pounds or something, and then you know Ennis gets a good opponent to be the next thing, you know, for for a, for a title or something like that. Uh, it, it might it might just take that kind of route, but yeah, I agree. I mean, I don't I don't see I don't see a verge, even though you'd like to see these, these are the kind of fights you'd like to see. I don't, I don't see a scenario for an Ennis Virgil Ortiz. I, I just, I just don't see it. 
Yeah, we'll see. Hopefully he just fights at a level of it's not step backs and he can get more rounds. And honestly, I, you know, I love his knockout power, but it'd be great if he could get taken deeper into some of these fights so he's not uh, going the 12-round distance the first type, you know, the first time against the best guy he, he's going to face. But that probably will be uh, the case. But there is a lot of young – I mean, Stanonius, there are fighters out there. It's just, once again, you know, but everybody has their own plans for their own fighter. And uh, right. so that could, you know, that could be an issue. And, uh, you know, it could be where Ennis gets an opportunity with a different belt, and so he doesn't accept the the, the purse bid or the, the being a mandatory along with Ortiz, and Ortiz takes the ne- on the next ranked guy or something like that. That could definitely happen. So, um, yeah, we'll see. Um, but as far as the – how do you see him? Like we said, Ugas, I think, is like probably the best chance of him winning, but – I don't see him beating Spence and uh, Crawford, just in theory. Um, well, what do you think about Keith Thurman? Because we know he has issues to the body. Now, he hasn't been dropped or hurt or stopped off of it, but he's come close to it, right? Um, and also, he's, he hasn't been that active of a fighter. Now, you know, I, I was saying earlier, I think Thurman could be up on the cards because of his foot movement his timing, his hand speed, he does have a a fair amount of power as well. Um, But some of the rust that's lingering, some of the weight issues blowing up and and not, you know, coming down too quick and all that that he's talked about, how do you see that, just real quick before we talk about Michael Conlon and whatnot, how do you see that fight going now, Keith Thurman and Ortiz, just speculative, just to kind of range where we think, Virgil Ortiz stands at this time in yes, his career. Very young. I do, I do put him up there. I mean, I agree. You know, I don't know if he can beat Spence. I, I, I definitely wouldn't pick him against Spence. You know, I'm, I'm different than a lot of people. Where I, I, I do hold Spence a, a little bit higher than Crawford. And, you know, we're going to find out if they do fight, who's going to be right on that or not. But, um you know, Crawford coming up from lightweight, I think Ortiz would have a better shot against him. I'm not saying he would beat him. But, yeah, you get down to Thurman. I think Thurman's faded enough. I'd pick Ortiz in that fight. So then that's probably where you're going to start to get the guys. I'm going to be picking Ortiz. I don't – right now I, I like them both a lot, but I, I like Ennis a little better than Ortiz at this point. So I would actually pick Ennis over him. I wouldn't pick Thurman over him. Um, but then you're getting – What about Stanonius? Stanonius, I like a lot. Um, and That'd be even a brawl. Did, <laughs> that yeah, would exactly. be a brawl. Even, even though he, he – the, the one problem I have with him, I like him a lot. And you know I've been high on him for a while. And he was even punching a little harder, even though he didn't you know, drop him or stop him or anything in that last fight against Butayev. But I've said this consistently, and I, I still think it's going to be his the chink in his armor because I like everything else about him. But Stanionis – he, he doesn't have the power for his style. And I think that that would probably be his downfall against a powerful guy like Ortiz. That would be a hell of a fight. Uh, be a tight one. Cause I like Stanionis a lot, but th- that's why I think Virgil Ortiz would probably have too much power. Um, and he, he, he might get to him at some point in the fight, maybe at the later part, but, but it would be a brawl, but, but you know, yeah, in theory, you know, that would be a, that would be a heck of a fight. Um, but I think I, I think I would go Ortiz there. 
Yeah, I think I'd agree with you there. Uh, that Ennis fight would be really phenomenal, too. I would love to see that, although, you know, we probably won't. Moving on to the ESPN Plus card, uh, Conlon and Mariaga, especially the first six rounds, were, were kind of tough to watch. He did what he had to do. He did drop them a couple times. Like I was saying, though, even the knockdowns, the first two were like, yeah, I mean, it's a knockdown, yep, yep. You know what I mean? It just There wasn't much going on in the fight. I saw that before I went to work. Boxy Tudor was just destroying the fight. Um, yeah. But that uh, McKenna and Jenkins, that was a fun fight, although I did think Jenkins uh, came up short on the on the cards, whereas I had him winning. What would you think of those uh, two fights or anything else from that ESPN Plus card? The Conlon-Mariaga fight, full disclosure, I knew, I knew the risk in the pick, but I, I, I've never been high on Mariaga, and of course, after Saturday. But, but I just thought, like you were saying, you know, the, the first fight back after that KO loss, Mariaga had a, has a little bit of pop, decent KO percentage with his lower opposition, but he dropped Valdez, um, and he, he has some pop. I thought... He, he, I thought he might be able to get to Conlon. I, I thought he could, you know, be, before the end of the fight. Usually don't like to pick relying on a KO. I, I didn't think it would be any way decision him. But I, but I thought he could KO him before the end of the fight. Um, I'm just going to kind of go in reverse order because the show, I'm not crazy here. But I thought Mariaga was going to fight the whole fight, and there may be reasons for that, but I thought he was going to fight the whole fight like he fought the 10th round. And, you know, I, I thought Conlon was in a bit of distress there. In the tenth round, there was some bad body language, uh, you know, and I thought, well, maybe there's reasons for it, but we didn't see that for the the whole fight. I thought the knockdowns primarily were, you know, Mariaga was sliding all over on that canvas. You could see that throughout the fight. You know, maybe one knockdown, yeah. where you know, you just say, okay, he, he got him there. Um, what I what I I think you made a good point that, you know, for the first fight back, and that was a brutal KO loss against Wood. And, um, you know, in that sense, Mariaga was a tougher opponent than in this era, Conlon might be coming back again. So I, I myself, too, do give him some credit there. What was kind of disappointing, though, even though you, you had that understanding was, and you heard people talking about it, and I do agree, like, you know, this was the, and you you said it too, Chris, you know, this, this was the common, like, before the Wood fight, and what was, it's too bad in that sense it didn't end well for him, uh, because Conlon, you, you had to really look at the replay to see it, but he, in the Wood fight, he did get legitimately dropped at the end of the 11th, and then he got knocked cold and out of the ring in 12th, which we've all seen a million times already, a dramatic knockout, um, but I'm saying that because before those two moments, I mean, to me, I, I didn't agree with the scorecards at all. I thought Conlon was dominating that fight. He had a huge knockdown against Wood. He looked better than he ever has. Not to overrate Lee, Lee, Lee Wood, but, you know, fringe top ten contender at that point. Forget about the alphabet stuff. Um, I thought it was the best Michael Conlon ever looked, and it was entertaining. Um, this was the Conlon before the Wood fight. So I know – the wood fight ended in a brutal knockout loss, but there was so much progress in that fight from Michael Conlon before that. It kind of was a shame, even though I understand the situation to see him back to that boring Conlon that everybody was pretty much ready to write off before the wood fight. 
because I don't, I don't think we're going to see the the guy we saw in the wood fight probably back. Um, and you know, from what I saw there, he looks to me like he's going to be a guy vulnerable to to get KO'd. Looks like he doesn't take that good of a shot. Um, he's not a big puncher. The wood fight was the hardest we've seen him punch. Yeah, he got the knockdowns Saturday, but Mariago was slipping most of the time, and none of them were huge. I think I'll go as far as already feel pretty confident on this. I, I don't think Conlon's going to beat. I, I think, as you mentioned, like Lee would rematch. You know, you don't know if they want to work it out again with Hearn with the promotional stuff, but maybe they do. I, I think that's going to be his high watermark. If they're going to fight again, even though it was a brutal KO loss, Conlon was doing so well up to that point. Maybe maybe he's got enough in him to turn that around. I mean, Wood's 34 years old. I mean, you know, it seems like he's just on the scene, but, but age-wise, he's already 34 old for a featherweight. So, Conlon's 30, but, I mean, I think maybe that's what he's going to have to target because it, it can be sold probably, too, because of the drama of the first fight. But I think that's as far as it goes. I saw a good suggestion, and I, I always kind of go on to good suggestions if there's fights that could be made. I'm not saying they're going to be made, but but some some one of the guys on Twitter suggested – Conlon Dog Bay, which would be interesting and could easily be made, you know, since they're both with top rank. But I don't know if they're going to do that fight. I like the suggestion. I think the Dog Bay we saw in Gonzalez, even though that was a close win, I I think that's too much for Conlon at this point. That's that's my hunch. I, I think Dog Bay punches hard enough uh, that I don't know if over the course of a full distance Conlon's going to be able to take those shots with the way his chin is, but. That, that's an interesting matchup, but I, I got a feeling maybe with the drama of the first fight, maybe Hearn will be willing to do it. They did it once, and you know may, maybe he'll get that Leewood rematch. But I don't think it goes any farther. Like you know, there's some people looking at Conlon, you know, like on the march to you know world championships and you know featherweight contender and stuff. I, I don't, I don't see, I don't see that happening. I, I think he was already somewhat limited. The wood fight was kind of his best performance, and yet it still didn't work out. Um, got a got a solid win uh, Saturday, but I, I I don't think it's really going much further. And and you know, I in a funny way, I top rank might put him in tough because you know we've seen top rank cut people and things like that. And of course, Conlon has been a little higher profile for him, but again, he's thirty year old featherweight. You know, top rank doesn't doesn't like to go with that many fighters is kind of their mo. Um, and I'm not saying Conlon's getting released tomorrow or something like that, but I'm kind of having a feeling that's why he was in with Mariaga that I think, I think even though it's rough for Michael Conlon, they, they might, they might put him in tough again pretty soon. So, uh, I, I think, you know, we're going to, we're going to find out, we're going to find out pretty soon. It would be my hunch. Yeah, I think you're right. And that is a good point. Um, down the stretch of that fight, that is one, something, something I didn't talk about. Glad you pointed that out. He did. There was something there that you know could pop up, uh, no doubt about it. And, and you're right that that might be. You might be right about. You know, it took a while. Like right away, it was. You know, Conlon was trying to knock you out. Then he went into like amateur mode for a long time, and then it did seem right. like two fights in a row. He really even that uh, TJ uh, Donahue or whatever his name is. Yeah, he was in those back to that one. Yeah, a little back-to-back fights. It was like, okay, hang on. He is starting to show more offense. 
and sitting down on his punches and going to the body and showing that sharp defensive skill that he can he can do once in a while. He can make you miss right in front of you. But that is a he good point. It, it might be, yeah, it might be, uh, it might be just something you know too much to overcome. Uh, what do you think of that uh, McKenna and Jenkins fight? Yeah, I thought it was decent. I, you know, that card, I was watching the DAZN card and that at the same time. I was watching it. I wasn't as tuned in. Like you said, that that was one a little better. But uh, I didn't, I, I, you know, I thought it was kind of disappointing, you know, the Patty Donovan outing. You know, a lot of people were high on him. He was boring and wasn't showing much pop. And, you know, not not a great card. And then the DAZN, you know, what Hearn had on that, I, I was watching it at the same time and, you know, you don't know. Talk about non-competitive, you know, non-competitive fights. I mean, it was like the whole card. You were like, "What is this?" You know. I mean, I guess heard heard was trying to sell it as some kind of next generation thing or something. But, but what's the entertainment value in all these non-competitive fights? Like we say, I mean, unless you're Mike Tyson knocking, blowing people away, or you know, you know, somebody like that that that's that much of a phenom that people just want to see dominate. They're so good. I mean, it, it's it's not very not particularly entertaining to just have fight after fight grind like that. And that's a lot of what Saturday, both of those cards going on simultaneously reminded me of. Yeah. Quantity, but not much quality in there. You said it right there. Um, I scored it though. I did have it six to four, maybe even six, three, one uh, for Jenkins though. I thought he, I thought he did enough to win the fight. Um, now, this weekend, like I mentioned, super light weekend, uh, Tiafimo Lopez is back. Um, you know, he's been out of the ring for a little while now. Uh, he is facing a guy that, you know, probably won't, you know, test him too much. If he does, there might be an issue right there. Um, it's nothing, I'm not trying to rip the guy. He's got a shiny record, 34-1-1. One one. Um he doesn't necessarily. I know he beat an un, you know an unbeaten guy, Carlos uh, Velaldez, I think, in his last time out, scored an easy knockout early. I think it was like third or fourth round. But you know, when you look at you know who that guy had fought, he was he was a pretty green prospect uh, to say the least. So he doesn't really Abner Mar, uh, Abner Mars Abner uh, Lopez. He had a split draw with uh, a couple years back. Uh, you know, I think his, his loss is actually, it was a while ago, 2017, but to this Carlos Jimenez, who was 11-8-1. So clearly they're just trying to get him back and see, you know, how he looks, how he feels and all that. It is at 140 now. Um, shoot, it's already been since Thanksgiving weekend is the last time he fought. Now we know he had that, you know, internal issue going on pre-fight and during the fight he explains it um to me though mentally when i that interview during that uh Uwe gonzalez and uh isaac dogbo fight or dog bay fight i think it was that weekend where they had that interview and it just there are, there are some guys that'll always think they want to fight and you know, they, they turn out to be great champions or they had great careers. and They'll always say, no, I won that fight and all that. But 
I don't know. After the fight, when both him and his dad were talking about 10-2, and and he still thinks, you know, he got robbed in that fight, and it's like, dude, I give him a lot of credit for coming back in that fight and making it a good fight. I mean, you can definitely say it was like a 7-5 to fight or whatever, but, like, I don't, I don't know where he is mentally. I mean, him and his pops were more worried about what Mayweather was going to think and say, now, I remember that quote of him saying in the hotel lobby, now Mayweather will always have that thing against us that we took a loss, even though everybody knows we won. And it's like, dude, that's where your mind state is right now? And especially when we find out more about Teofimo's condition in that fight, it's like, we're, wh- why are you even worried about that, you know? Um, yeah, and they didn't. They, they didn't go. With where are you at with Tiafimo right now, and, and how do you think? Because there's plenty of talent at 140 for him uh, to fight, and a lot of it is on top rank. Yeah, he's got the he's got the talent, right? And they they went away from Gamache. You know, Gamache helped him against Lomachenko greatly, and it just seemed like a, it did seem like a mess. I agree. Came back well in the Cambosis fight, but didn't do enough to win it. Um, but it, it almost got him out of there at the end and came back. But yeah, I, I'm with you. It just we have to see where he's at mentally. This should be an easy fight for him Saturday, easy KO. I'm I'm a believer in Lopez's talent. Um, you know, I, I thought he clearly won the Lomachenko fight, no doubt about that. Uh, a lot of shocked Lomachenko fans still have trouble accepting that, but that was just such a clear Lopez win. Um, and it was. And then, you know, he stumbled against Cambosos and, and what, you know, I think you do have to look at these factors, even though they're not binding. I mean, then, then Cambosos in his home country doesn't look good against Haney, uh, which then makes the Lopez loss look a little bit worse. It, it, it just does. I mean, you have to – those things don't control, but you got to take them into account. So, you know, they they just want him to look good, bring him back. He's one of their bigger names. Uh, looks like he's going to settle back in with top rank now. That no doubt about that on both sides. So that decision's been made, and I think they just want to get him back in front of the fans, get a big KO, and and then they'll probably go with some something bigger from there. Like you said, there are there are some options there, um, but I'm a believer in his talent. I'm with you. Just got to see where he's at mentally. He's still still young, so uh, you know. The talent should still be there, but we got to see where he's at mentally. This is a fight, like you said, if, if for some reason he does have trouble or something like that, then then you would question, you know, where he's been mentally since the since the Lomachenko win. So, uh, you know, and then I, as I've said many times, I, there's too many weight classes. This is the kind of thing I kind of hate seeing. Uh, you know, Lopez, he's becomes the champion at 135, legitimately loses, but then, you know, he's up five more pounds. Um, you know, it just, you know, we have all those great lightweight guys, and, and you know, he was in there, and now he's already got 140, and, and, you know, you miss out on these fights. So uh, the, that, the proliferation of weight classes adds to, but, uh, you know, there are, some, there are some good potential fights for him that top rank can deliver at 140 pounds. So, uh, he, he may he may get one of those after after this one if he if he looks good. So uh, I I think he should take care of business easily. But like you said, Chris, I agree uh, with where things were with him. It's kind of just as much of a test to see where he is mentally and if he's ready to fully use his talent again as it is anything else. 
yeah, I mean, Jose Ramirez, um, the winner of Zapata and Progre, or individually both of them, if you were to stay at 140 for a while. Um, right. Obviously, Josh Taylor, although it does seem like he's going up to 47, maybe he would pop up for that fight, or maybe they could, I don't, I don't know exactly how that would work out. And even Devin Haney, you know. Um, right. We know he's got two more fights on his contract for top rank and Debella, and if, if he does what most people think he'll do and repeat, uh, you know, in, in the, I think it's October is what they're talking about, October 8th or whatever, if he beats Cambosas again, it does seem like they're potentially signing up Lomachenko uh, in Haney, you know, early next, or not early next year, but whatever, maybe first or second quarter. You know, who knows? Maybe he would stay and sign another multi-fight deal with ESPN, and they, you know, and that would be a big fight, Haney and, and, and Tiafimo. So there, there's definitely plenty of uh, fights for him that are realistically that can be made per se. So uh, let's hope that that works out. Any other uh, things you're looking towards this weekend or, or any other, uh, you know, fight news or anything that's got you uh, kind of excited or you wanted to discuss? Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm perplexed by this, as we discussed a little bit earlier, this Usyk Joshua 2 TV situation. Um, you know, I guess if Aram was making a little noise about it, and it, it kind of could fit. I mean, they, they had worked with Usyk before. I mean, maybe if, you know, maybe if Usyk's people want to look ahead and, and, uh, ESPN and Aram are confident that Usyk's going to win this rematch. He is the favorite. I mean, maybe he starts looking ahead at his options, and you know the U.S. still can bring the money. Uh, maybe, maybe ESPN, you know, goes to the Saudis and and picks up this fight with Joshua and puts it on ESPN or ESPN Plus, and and if they think Usyk wins it, because you know that then you can have Usyk would be the the logical challenger for Tyson Fury and top ranks put a lot of money into him in the U S and, you know, that's a fight they could have maybe in the UK or something like that. Um, you know, I mean, maybe, maybe they think of picking that up because, it, you know, if the zone, like we, we said, if the zone has this fight in the bag, they'd be advertising and even they're going to pick it up now. I mean, you're, you're paying money for something. You don't have much time to, to advertise. So, I guess I'm I'm also just kind of being hopeful. Like w- w- the scenario I hate to see is, you know, and I, I don't even know necessarily who it would be or if they do it themselves or something, but you'd, you'd hate to see some half-assed pay-per-view offering of, of Usyk Joshua 2 in the U.S., you know, where, where it doesn't even really get marketed. They just throw it up on the... And it would be half-assed if it was now. You know, there's no <laughs> right, doubt about right. that. Let, yeah, let's that's very it. true. Let's face it. Yeah, it, it kind of, you know, from a U.S. fan perspective, it disappoints me, too, because of what we talked about, you know, and, and just for boxing in general. Joshua really, really did. You know, you look at that Klitschko fight, you know, both broadcasting the same day, one day, night, and combine those numbers when, you know, you think he's a British guy. And Klitschko had, of course, you know, had some American exposure, but then he would always, you know, be back and fighting in Germany and things because his fights weren't particularly entertaining. Um, Joshua did really, you know, he did extremely well. I mean, that, that Showtime plan 
for him looked like it was going to work. They they wanted to build him up in the U.S. You know, as this this big featured heavyweight puncher, and and now again he's made a lot of money. But in terms of the exposure and and for the sport, I mean, a big, a legitimately big heavyweight fight with him and Usyk, a very intriguing rematch. I'll say it's a very definitely one of the most intriguing fights of the year as to what's going to happen. Um, no U.S. TV less, less than two weeks before the fight. Look, looks like it's going to be a fiasco. Reminds me of the bad old days of the the Klitschko heavyweight era when, you know, the heavyweight division in the U.S. had faded really as much as ever. And, and you know, Klitschko was, you know, have, having these European opponents that were mismatched and, and, you know, nobody in the U.S. was really paying much attention anymore. Um, I don't, you know, that's a shame. I'm just saying that's a shame. I, I didn't, you know, I didn't like that for boxing, especially in the U.S. and not for the heavyweight division, you know, the flag, flagship division. So I think now you've, you've got some, you know, entertaining heavyweights there. You know, we, we talked about, we talked about Wilder and Fury and Joshua's had a high profile, made a lot of money. And, you know, Usyk's got his hardcore fans and, you know, if he wins this rematch, you know, sometimes you can kind of, I'm not saying he's going to be a superstar or something in the U S but I mean, you know, sometimes your profile can go up a bit. Um, but you know, to, to have this fight this close and, and just to be nowhere on the TV, I hope it gets rescued. I mean, I, I even if the zone gets it, I'd like to get it on my zone and not have to pay for it if they pick it up at the last second. But I don't know there's, if there's going to be much exposure that's good for boxing there. I, I guess I'm reaching the point where I'm hoping maybe top rank and ESPN step in at the last second and throw this on ESPN or maybe ESPN plus. Um, at the last yeah, moment. I doubt it I, would I, be pay-per-view, you know, just because of they didn't have much success with the last pay-per-view, you know, earlier in the year with Fury and uh, White. We never even got a sniff of those numbers. So, no. but then again, you know, I don't know. It really matters how much they have to pay to get the fight. You know what I mean? So they may think, hey, we got to make some revenue back, even if it isn't much. You know, I don't know how they're going to work that, but I did see Dan Raphael report that they put in a strong bid, that top rank ESPN, that they did actually put in a strong bid for the fight. So, we'll see whatever that means. Yeah, I kind of reached a point personally, I'd kind of like to see them get it at this point, because the zone's not doing anything here. Yeah, and it went up, what did it go up, 50%? Uh, the the monthly uh, thing is no longer going to be a hundred dollars. It's going to be a hundred and fifty dollars, or not monthly. Sorry, the annual. The annual is now. I don't know if you got the email recently, but uh, soon. I don't know when the date kicks in. It's different for everybody because it goes off how you signed up. Most of us hardcores were signed up since 2019, but the zone does have a hundred and fifty now. So it's like twelve. 38 or something. I forgot what it is, but it's over $12 now. Uh, if you do the annual, it's about $12. I think they said it saved about $90 a year. So you're still saving a lot annually because I think it's up to 20 or 25 now. I think it's 25 per month if you're not on the annual, but they did jack up the annual from 100 to 150 So they brought it up 50%. And I know ESPN Plus just went up a little bit, but once again, it's more than just boxing on that channel. There's documentary, there's live sports and all that. So, like we've kind of said, this fall is going to be big because, yeah, this year, Golden Boy, I I thought since the zone's been around, 
I think Golden Boy's been more consistent uh, in their cards. This year, though, um, DAZN hasn't had a lot of good, great stuff. But I would say Matchroom here, because of those 115 cards, you know, and some of the stuff from the U.K., I think they've had a better year this year than Golden Boy. Golden Boy hasn't really had that great of a year just yet. Hopefully they, they close out really strong. But overall, the zone has been just pretty good this year. It hasn't good as it has in the past. But, yeah, we'll see. We'll see how that goes. But like I said, Dan Raphael did say they put in a good bid, and, and so I wouldn't doubt that. Because like you said, it's probably going to go to the biggest – platform so they can get the most eyes on it and uh you know overall we'll, we'll see where that takes us any other items yeah to me it, it might be minor to some people but it wasn't to me and it fit exactly what you and i talked about um last week chris so want to be fair to pbc literally it, it seemed like it was just hours after we were doing the show last week or the next day whatever um pbc announced that you know before ortiz and Ruiz on pay-per-view that, you know, they're going to have uh, a lean and Plania on FS1. That's a really good 122 pound fight uh, between legitimate yeah. contenders. And it, it fit what I you and I said, like, you know, you got little lower weight guys, a lot of the hardcore say, Oh, well, why isn't this more profile? Well, whether you like it or not, it's just because the fans are not going to, don't, don't, in general, by the little guys as much as the hipsters, you know, want to want to believe they do or should, and so that's probably a pretty good spot for that fight because you know they'll they'll get more exposure on FS1 than they than they would have really even on Showtime. So um, so that that's a good thing and that's a good fight. I mean, I'm looking forward to that fight. So you know that that we like we were saying, even though even if this are is the last gasps of it, we were reaching a point where we thought there might not be anything else on FS1 and Fox. And then so you had that announcement, and they put Joey Spencer in a surprisingly tough test against uh, Salgado uh, for I Fox. I saw that. Regular Fox at 8 o'clock, and that's a real test for Spencer. And, you know, a lot of people are going to see it. Again, you know, if, if it doesn't matter sometimes for people if they like these guys for whatever reason or they don't like them for whatever reason. I mean, you know, Spencer – fought on the card with Neil Mickey on Christmas night, which I thought was never going to do anything with, with a non-traditional boxing night like that. And for this era, it got really big numbers. So, you know, people say, well, why do they keep showing Joey Spencer and stuff? Like, well, you know, Heyman and PBC have, you know, been willing to commit to building him up. And um, they obviously feel, you can tell, they feel he's a little ahead of Neil Mickey. So, um, but this is a real fight are, for him. There's no doubt about that. This, I mean, this is, this a, is good a real fight. fight. And you know, Salgado, he's coming off the draw with Perella, and mm-hmm. yeah, he was a little bit. Who was coming off bit, a good performance, right? Off yeah, of Tony I'm, Harrison, I believe. In a fight that almost everybody thought he won, um, mm-hmm. and you know, you, you can see in that fight too with Salgado, like yeah, he didn't let his hands go that much, but Perella was really boxing, trying to protect his chin. You know, you and I talked about. It. I thought Perella even though he, he's okay with it and, and he's had some effectiveness, you know, he, he's got some power, and, but I know he wants to protect that chin and, and, you know, get some, get some boxing, maybe even a little more than he should. But what I did see with Salgado in that fight, he looked to me like a guy that if somebody stands there more with him, that he, he's got some firepower that he can get off. So 
Um, Spencer has liked to box in recent fights, and to me, he's not really bad at it. I, I, I like him more when he's aggressive, but I think he's he's already shown a point to me, at least. You know, He does have some boxing ability. This is going to be a weird case where entertainment value, I might not want him to box, but, but it might make a little more sense uh, for winning the fight if he boxes Salgado. But I think it's real good. I mean, fight's going to be on Fox. Actually, should be a good fight. Uh, you know, Spencer's obviously been seen by some people. So I, I was just happy to see PBC, at least, even if this is the last year for the Fox, at least using the FS1 and the Fox up to the end. And I was trying to think the other car they did, to, you know, the, the fights are slipping, but they they, well, they had those good matchups. They, they weren't necessarily looking that great on paper, but they did the FS1 Fox thing before on the other pay-per-view fight cards and got some got a couple really good fights out of it. Um, that you know the type of fights that I kind of use a test where we talked about this too. You know, if a casual and there aren't really any casuals left, but if in theory, in theory a casual was flipping channels, would they stay and watch this fight? Or if you and I, as the hardcore and people comment commentating on the sport, if we were to go to a friend who didn't normally watch boxing and say, "Hey, watch this fight," you know, would they be satisfied with it? I mean, it was those kind of fights that passed the test. I, I think the Spencer fight uh, might do it, and I think the Aline Plania definitely will. So I thought those were good, almost under-the-radar moves. And, you know, like you said in the past, Chris, I think it's worth bringing up again because you get some weird reactions on it. Like, I mean, if, if, I like the way you said it, really, because it's just the truth. I mean, if if Spencer was with a different promoter and he had some – Eastern European or former Soviet country block name for some strange reason, right. there'd be people that would be loved. But because I got to say it, because I look at it like you do, I can't come up with another explanation really because he, because of who promotes them, you know, and, and who he's, who he's with, who's, who's managing them. It's like there, you got these people that hate the guy. It's yeah. Kind of a, I mean, <laughs> it's kind of a bizarre thing. Especially the way he started. Remember, he was knocking people out and all that stuff. Yeah. The first handful of fights and all that, you know. I mean, yeah, he was. A, we're not trying to make him more than he is, you know. That's for sure. But in the same breath, at what fifteen fights I think he's in, this is actually a legit fight. I mean, there's just no way around it. It's a and it's a good like, matchup, what, you know. I think he maybe just turned twenty two years old. I mean. You know, yeah, it doesn't mean he's automatically going to get there, but I, I see, I see a lot of potential there, and I, I'm not going to, I'm not going to back off that. But he's got a test here, so you know, if, if the potential isn't going to come to fruition, he could get, be, he could get beat in this fight. So um, it's a, it's a real test. It's a real test, and uh, you know, it, it's what we'll be here. And now that six it. fights, basically six fights you know for for the if you buy the pay-per-view that night you get right. six fights because you get this stuff that we already have so i mean and, and I got that is a nice of, bonus you know i know some of those nights when they've done that have worked out pretty well too so i look at it like you did and you start especially saying, okay, that well, the uh, january 1st you know that that card yeah. although we said it and we call it exactly right john they're not going to count it because they don't they didn't like it on pay-per-view, and neither did we. <laughs> neither did we. We didn't. Right. We didn't like it either. We complained about it, and if anything, it, we kept saying, "If this was Ruiz Ortiz, okay, then I'd be more happy about it." 
Now they did discount that half, but it was still forty bucks. But uh, right. that still holds as like probably the best card because there was like four good fights in one night. It's right up there with the best card of the year. That's I love just, that card. That's just yeah, factual, I, you know. I, right, I love that card. At least they did the forty bucks. I was okay. I, I'm not looking to get charged pay per view, but I was okay with the way that one worked out. Um, so yeah, they throw me two good fights. I mean, I'm interested in these two fights that have been added to that night. I guess we should say, and these are freebies. So uh, good, good move by PBC there. At least they're they're shaping that up to be a pretty good night because Ortiz Ruiz has got to be pretty entertaining as long as it lasts. So uh, and you know you got to pay yeah. for that, but uh, and you know Valenzuela's been a really good prospect. Now you know I, I don't think he's going to have trouble with Corrales like some people do, and. Isak Cruz has been entertaining, and, you know, Ramirez, who he's fighting, comes to fight. He was a featherweight not too long ago, so that's a big weight jump. But I, that's a few weeks ahead, but good development right yeah. after we talked about this exact issue for a while last week that I like right. these moves by PBC with Aleem and Spencer getting getting their fights on FS1 and Fox. I mean, uh, I think good good move there. Those Those are some good fights. Definitely. Well, I appreciate you uh, taking time out as always, and we'll talk to you next week, next Monday. All right, Chris. Have a great rest of the night. Thanks for having me as always. All right. You too. Have a good night. Take it easy. You too. Take care. All righty. So, you know, I do think we're just in a weird time right now of the, I keep saying it, you know, in the last couple of weeks that people just got to be a little bit more patient. I mean, if you look at ESPN's uh, schedule, I think it's pretty underrated. I mean, sure. This weekend, you know, Zayas, Xander Zayas is on the undercard. It's good to see him unbeaten fighter. <laughs> got a lot of skill, excited to see him in the ring. Don't really think he's going to get tested against this guy. You know, this doubleheader is not that great, but, you know, as the time goes by here all the way through September and that Shakur Stevenson fight, let's not forget the ESPN Plus card with the doubleheader of big, big fights. I mean, you can call them women's fights if you want. That's cool. I get it. But that's a great doubleheader, and that's Sky Sports, and that's ESPN Plus here. Um, And so some of these cards – they're gonna. They're, I don't know how they're gonna close per se, but they're gonna. It's gonna warm up. It's gonna warm up. You know, and I, I think the zone is gonna warm up too. I think they'll close strong. They generally close strong. I'm gonna talk about a fight here that is speaking of closing strong. It's gonna be in November. That's gonna be a fun fight. And we'll talk about that in just a second when we get the fight news. Um, but yeah, uh, Xander Zayas. Uh, in an eight rounder, Duke Reagan, the Ragon, the uh, the Olympians on the card. Uh, Cortez is on the card. Andres Cortez. There's some talent on the card. Um, real quick though, just kind of wrapping up that ESPN Plus, that McKenney and Jenkins. You know, let's see. I'm looking at my scorecard. The first three rounds, at, at least two out of the first three, I gave to Jenkins. Um, they were both landing left hands, especially left hooks, bunch of exchanges and that. That was a fun fight. Like I said, this fight was the best of the weekend. It's not even close. It was a good, fun fight. Um, and Jenkins, the way he closed that first round was just a, a, a crazy flurry. 
he landed a nice left uppercut to go along with the left hooks. He was putting in work to the body, no doubt about it. Now, another spirited second round. There was a flurry by McKenna that stumbled Jenkins a little bit. Now, Jenkins did close stronger and overall probably landed better combinations, but you could give McKenna the second round maybe. Third round, hooks to the head and body, competitive round, but Jenkins was doing it. Now, I thought this is where McKenna, close round, fourth round, I gave it to him. Fifth round, he was boxing a lot more on the outside and landing the cleaner shot, making Jenkins chase him, make it a miss and stuff like that. So midway, fourth, fifth, I gave it to McKinnon. So maybe you had it 3-2 um, either way. But after that, beyond the 10th round, but I would say the 6th, 7th, in the ninth for sure. The 8th round, that was a slower round, um, finally, in the fight. But um, that could have went either way. That could have went either way. But Jenkins, you know, like I said, attacking the body, then – you know, I talked about the uppercut, talked about that took. He started bringing those big right hands to competitive seventh round. Once again, jab, clean right hands, followed by the clean right hand off that jab. That that won it for me in the seventh, in the ninth. Uh, Two-way round to close, you know, in the tenth, in the tenth round. But uh, And they exchanged left hooks midway. I thought he got uh, – McKenna got the better of that and, and finished down the stretch the last like. 20 seconds, these dudes were just going for it. So it was a really good fight. 96-95, two of the cards, and 97-94, all in favor of McKenna. And I did disagree with that. I thought it was 6-4. I wouldn't go necessarily 7-3, 6-3-1. Could you have a draw? I would rather have it a draw before giving McKenna the fight. I thought Chris Jenkins won that fight fair and square personally. Um, But, you know, it is what it is. It is what it is. There is another card. I don't know if there's going to be – I don't know where it's televised, but Oscar Rivas, uh, it's a it's a bridge weight fight. Oh, boy, the bridger weight, not bridge weight, bridger weight, WBC. And Ro- Rosansky, I think it's is it? Rosansky. Uh, but there is some interesting stuff as far as two uh, fights, women, junior middleweight, and a heavyweight. Uh, Hannah Gabrielles and, and Rocha, and then uh, Bergholt and Cecilia uh, Breakhouse. That could be interesting. I don't, I don't have it listed as far as I know where you can watch those fights. It is on Saturday. I figured I'd at least mention it though. Um, and just the rest of the weekend, um, that Pro Box TV on Friday night. Uh, Moran, Moran won it dominant over Dutch over um, pretty easy there to, to go to the final. He's going to face uh, uh, Castaneda who uh, hurt uh, Fernandez a couple times and just, just beat him now. So it is Moran and Castaneda Castaneda. Uh, so those were pretty one-sided fights, but had some entertainment to it. Like I said, that was that pro box. Um, also, uh, Sandy Ryan won. I did see that fight over. Uh, she avenged that defeat. Dalton Smith. I think he knocked him out. I think he knocked him down like three or four times, and by the sixth round TKO over Sam 
O'Mason. Uh, but Dalton Smith, a, a hot prospect coming up, something to look for. Uh, Urbania, Salim Urbania won as well. Uh, she moved her record to like 14-2 and two or something like that. Uh, she pretty much handled that uh, Discanio. Um, I thought she, you know, she was she displayed her normal her normal uh, skill. Actually, uh, cat boxing, Catacora twenty one. She summed it up good. She added another window record, thirteen and two. Went toe to toe through her selection of diverse combinations and shots. Really displayed her skills. Fifty nine, fifty eight, sixty, fifty four, fifty eight, fifty six. That was just kind of random, but Urbania did did look good. Uh, Floyd uh, Schofield uh, pretty much just handled this was on that Golden Boy um, card. Rodrigo Guerrero just just took care of him. Um, Mela Kuzeev or whatever, he, he knocked out his guy really early. That was pretty much a, a an easy fight. Um, so, yeah, that's uh, I think that about wraps up the week in action. Jake Paul, by the way, real quick, Jake Paul did pay uh, on that canceled event. He did pay 50% of the contract to the to the purses of the fighters. And beyond three that already have their fights or they're going to be rescheduled, uh, the rest of them were contractual. They, they were free of any contractual obligations. So if they did get, let's say, an opportunity someplace, you know, he would allow that to happen. So that's pretty cool. I'll say that. I will say that. I think that's cool. I mean, that whole debacle, it happens, you know. Um, but one of the fights, we talked about how the zone schedule is going to hopefully fill out here. They obviously have Canelo Triple G uh, coming up in September. Maybe they can land that uh, AJ and Usyk rematch, right? That would be big for them. Um, it does feel like, are they really going to do a pay-per-view here this late in the game? You know, how are you going to promote it when it's, you know, like a, a week and a half away or something like that? A little, well, about two weeks, a little less than two weeks. So, I don't know. That could be a big, obviously, fight for the zone. And that would be crazy if if they didn't get the rights in the U.K., and then they didn't get the rights here in the States, but then they have Anthony Joshua signed to a lifetime career after. It's still kind of funky how that works. So I'm still thinking DAZN's going to get that fight, but ESPN Plus or just straight up ESPN, they may be able to jump in and get it. Who knows? Um, I would be really shocked. I mean, some people are saying, oh, we're not going to get that. I highly doubt that. I highly doubt that. And to be fair, this fight took a long time to uh, negotiate the last, well, I mean, how long was Eddie, Eddie Hearn in talks with Saudi, you know, to sell the fight to him? I mean, a long, long time. So it did take a little while and it's obviously a bigger fight in the UK. As far as that market, they're going to do pay-per-view there, of course. Um, but that just got decided not long ago either. So it makes sense why it would take a little while here. We'll see. I would be shocked though. If it didn't get an outlet, um, I know Espinosa was in an interview. Can't remember with who, but he did say how he they'd be willing to put in, but it didn't really sound like he was bidding for it. Whereas uh, it does seem like ESPN's bidding for it. Maybe it's between the zone and ESPN. 
But uh, speaking of the zone in Golden Boy, Joseph Jojo Diaz Jr. versus William Zapata, November 5th on the zone. Sign me up for that fight. That is going to be a really, really fun fight. Obviously, um, the last time we saw him in action, JoJo I'm speaking of, was a good, solid performance. Didn't quite get over the hump. Uh, you know, Haney did. You know, he hurt Haney a couple times with that left hook, but overall couldn't do what he wanted to do against Haney. He was coming off that Fortuna fight where it looked pretty damn good. Uh, 2020, he had that Tevin Farmer fight, then came back and had that draw. Didn't look as good, so this is a big fight for him. He's got to get back on the good foot, so to speak, because this dude he's facing 26-0, 23 KOs. Um, you know, this guy for a while was just running through folks. I mean, that Hector, uh, ten, what the hell's that? He was an unbeaten guy at that time. He knocked him out. Um, Tanahara, I think it is. Um now, he didn't look as good uh, in, God, that was not long ago, May or something like that, April, against uh, Rene Alvarado. Um, didn't look as good there. But as far as stylistically and everything like that, I, I, in, in where they're at in their careers, obviously this would be a huge win for Zepeda. I mean, clearly. Uh, but like I said, Joseph Diaz kind of needs to balance it back out and get a good win, and because he could be in the Ryan Garcia sweepstakes real quick with this win. So that's a really good fight. November fifth, DAZN. Don't know exactly where it's going to be as far as location, but that's a damn good fight. I really like that matchup. Legitimate matchup there. Shots out the Golden Boy for putting that fight together. Um, and then another fight that got announced. Joe Joyce and Joseph Parker. And I think that's on BT, if I remember correctly. That's a good fight. That's a really good fight. I like that. You know, we, we thought the fight was going to happen. It's funny enough, we thought it was going to happen on BT Sport over there, and then probably ESPN Plus over in the States. And then Joseph Parker, they kind of went back and forth when they had this press conference, Warren and him, and how... Warren made it sound like he kind of got left high and dry by Parker because he was under he was under the understanding that he thought they would make that fight next because it's a great fight. Um, but Parker, hearing from his side, he was kind of like, "Well, I signed a contract, but then they tried to add more, you know, fights to it, and it got a little funky." So he dipped. He's like, "Nah, dude, that that he did. They were doing me wrong." You know, but either way, Boxer is a new uh, promotional outfit who has a deal with Sky Sports. They are um, obviously willing to work with people and willing to send somebody over to another uh, network to get a fight done because that's exactly what happened here. And usually, when it you know you're new on the scene, you have to work with other people. You got the Sky Sports deal; they've done some good fights or whatever. Let's see where they're at there. Um, but I like this fight a lot. I mean, Joe Joyce, you know, he's only, I mean, he only has 14 fights, but he's not young, you know. He had a really good amateur career. But I, I really like how they've moved him. 
I mean, I got to say that, you know, shoot, to close out 2020, he had that big performance against uh, Daniel Dubois, scored a knockout in that one. Carlos Takam took care of that one. The last fight, you know, he just had a fight in July. Actually, that was supposed to be the fight, wasn't it, that weekend? Or it was supposed to be a different fight. That's right. I was just talking about that early in the show, the July fight, July 2nd. And I did kind of feel like there was a fight in there. But Joe Joyce, you know, took on a Christian Hammer. That was like a, not the opponent they wanted. But Joseph, Joseph Parker, you know, stylistically, he can do stuff on the outside. He can use some of his skills. He's coming off, you know, two, especially the, the second one, two, two fights back-to-back against Derek Chisora. I thought he was a little bit cleaner uh, this last time. But credit to Chisori, he got back in the fight, you know. Um, and Parker had kind of, you know, he, he lost a really competitive fight to uh, Dillian White. And this was a while ago. Actually, that was that same year he lost to Anthony Joshua, wasn't it? And then since then, you know, he hadn't fought too many people. I wouldn't even bring up Chisora like that's a great matchup or whatever. But – Basically, his time has come, too, now to get another big fight. And I'm really happy that this fight got made. I think the styles match up really wonderfully. I think it's an interesting fight. And, uh, yeah, man, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. I'm really looking forward to that, man. That is a legitimate fight. And uh, I believe it will be on ESPN Plus here. I don't think it will be pay-per-view. I know it's pay-per-view, you know, in the U.K., most of the big, big fights there are, you know, uh, you know, their pay-per-view over there as well. So, it, you know, it happens. We know how it feels. Shit, at least you guys don't have to pay, you know, what we do. But that's set for September 24th, okay? Um, so, yeah, it's a BT Sport box office pay-per-view. And it said could in this article on Boxing Scene, could be streamed on ESPN+, Plus, but it hasn't been finalized just yet but like i said i really 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 like that fight i think that's a really good uh it's a good one man that's a good heavyweight fight it and funny enough if wilder comes back which it sounds like he will fall uh we got ruiz and ortiz which are two top you know i think ruiz is still a top five i think he's a top five heavyweight but either way two top ten guys going at it AJ Usyk rematch, like I said, Wilder coming back. This fight, like the heavyweight division, is starting to ramp back up, and so I'm I'm excited about that. I'm, I'm really I'm pumped about that. That's going to be a good look. I think that'll be a really really good look. Um, let's see here. Oh God, um, Tyson Fury. Tyson Fury. Uh, you know. He's not done yet, folks. A lot of people just assumed he was done. He's not done. That whole fighting for free stuff, that's a bunch of hogwash. That wasn't going to happen. I never believed he's retired, you know. But it sounds like he wants to fight this fall. In the trilogy, Chisora. So speaking of heavyweight, I'm not saying, oh, God, this is a great heavyweight fight. It would do big numbers in the U.K. I do know that. Uh, you know, especially at the gate. You know what I mean? Um, 
But this is his little message out of nowhere to Chisora. Call yourself war, but you should call yourself kicking. Because you're running from a trilogy from a career highest payday. Get a fucking contract, I'm Stop being a shithouse. <laughs> Stop being a shithouse. So behind the scenes, and we did hear, you know, this stuff trickle out a little bit. Uh, behind the scenes, he's he's working. He is working, dude. He's working a fight with Chisora. I guess he just wants, you know, some sort of, I'm not going to call it a, I wouldn't call it a tune-up, call it a great fight either. You know what I mean? So, um, you know, it is what it is. Uh, but, yeah, if people thought, oh, you know, he's retired, dude. Well, are you sure? Are you sure? Are you positive about that one? Um, and, hey, if he would have retired, I wouldn't have, like, made a bunch of noise. But if he fights this fall, I wouldn't I – don't, I, I don't think a big fight, you know, with Usyk or with Joshua would happen it this year. So he's probably thinking, let me stay active, get my second fight, because he did have that period of inactivity. So get a second fight, then I'll be ready for next year and, and the winner of, uh, you know, Joshua and Usyk, which, I, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if that's what he's uh, going for. Speaking of that, though, Eddie Hearn said two things, one that I agree in one that I, I don't. The headline is from a boxing scene. This is Keith Eidick. The headline says, Hearn, Tyson Fury against Anthony Joshua is the biggest fight in the history of sport, which is bullshit. I mean, come, on, come on, dude. I got the hiccups around. Like, wow. So anyway, he said, this is from the DAZN Boxing Show. Anyone with a brain cell will know that Tyson Fury will only fight if he gets a shed load of money, which I agree with that. The kind of, you know, the, the Usyk fight will not generate the kind of money the AJ fight will, will generate. And I, I think that's fair. I mean, it would do a big gate regardless in the UK. You know, and maybe they could, you know, sell it to the Saudis again. I don't know. But... That part, I, I do agree. I think that. But he said, uh, he goes on to say, listen, AJ's got to take care of business. It's a very tough task. Obviously, he's talking about his fight with Usyk. But if and when he does, Tyson Fury against Anthony Joshua is not just the biggest fight in boxing. It's the biggest fight ever in the sport, right? And I will make sure that we do the right job as we have done since he turned pro, Joshua. And by the way, again, I can't believe we're having this conversation. Tyson Fury will want to milk every dollar out of the fight that's available. So I agree with him saying, you know, that it, it is a bigger fight. I think that's fair. Obviously, if he beats Usyk, it's a bigger fight just off that because it would really spark shit up again. Like that would be a major, major fight. But to sit there and say it's going to be bigger than Mayweather-Pacquiao, or even Mayweather-Oscar, you know, it, the revenue's not, you're not going to do that. I know they can make a shitload of revenue in, in, in Saudi Arabia, don't get me wrong, 
and I know that it would be pay-per-view here, and it'd probably be, well, of course it'd be pay-per-view in, you know, in the UK and probably Australia and other places, Canada. And the gate would be gigantic. I mean, if Tyson Fury broke the gate number out of any sporting event in Wembley, which he did, against Gillian White, who's a very solid B-side, no doubt about it. But if Joshua comes off a Usyk fight and wins, oh my goodness gracious, that would be huge, huge, huge fight. But I don't think it's the biggest fight ever. But, you know, he's got a job to do. Speaking of Matchroom and Eddie, he did talk that, uh, this is from Boxing Scene as well, he talked about uh, Billy Joe Saunders' comeback. Uh, basically, Saunders, Matchroom, unable to strike a deal for the comeback fight. Hearn open to Billy moving on, basically. Matchroom boxing head uh, Eddie Hearn said he and the former super, super middleweight champ, in middleweight champ, uh, Saunders were unable to strike a deal. We looked at it, talked some numbers. I don't think we can deliver what he wants us to deliver for him. So we're happy for him to, you know, take whatever opportunity. I would love to see Billy Joe Saunders back with us or with any, somebody else. Billy always needs a date to work toward, and he's a fantastic talent. So it does look like Billy Joe Saunders is, uh, you know, coming back. A little bit more on Eddie Hearn as far as some fights coming up. You know, he did talk about how Mauricio Lara uh, is a legitimate potential opponent option for Lee Wood in late September. But we're hearing more and more Kiko Martinez, the Spaniard, is probably going to be probably the front runner at this point for the fight. Uh, that's kind of a – a lot of people are saying it's the Eddie Hearn trick where you – where you name a bunch of fighters. Some of them are like, oh, shit, that'd be a good fight. But then you name like three of them, and you end up with, ah, Kiko Martinez is still a good fight. Um, and that's just not Eddie Hearn, though. Let's not, you know, pile on Eddie Hearn once again. That's that's a promoter trick. That That's, that's existed far before Eddie Hearn, you know, came in. And promoters use it. Um, like Bob Arum talking about Lomachenko, and he's putting – you know, Muhammad Ali in the same sentence. Well, we know they're not going to fight. Even the Manny Pacquiao stuff, we knew they weren't going to fight more than likely, but it's just a way to say it. So, hey, if he fights Mauricio Lara, that is a lot of balls, and he's making it known that, you know, that's a fight he wants, but um, the fighter, you know. But, you know, when push comes to shove, I would be pretty damn surprised if that were the case. Who knows, though? Who knows? Um, I did get a message saying the guy that um, Aleem, uh, Plania, Plania, that, that you know, they're, they're kind of saying that's not a good fight. I mean, he's, he's a top 10 dude at 122. So, by the way, the, that fight's going to be on FS1 just to get the time right. And then 7 to 8 is going to be a Fox that's the Joey Spencer and Kevin Salgado. That's an hour before the – I think it's an hour before the normal – because that's on Labor Day weekend. Usually it starts at uh, 9 Eastern, a pay-per-view. So that that's – they're going to put it on FS1. But the – I mean, the Polina, I, I don't know, dude. I mean, I, I don't know how you shit on that fight. The guy's 
I mean, if anything, you could just go off rankings and it makes sense for him. And he did, I think this was during the pandemic or during the, the height of it in 2020. Um, he beat Joshua Greer, who, you know, he had some good moments at that point. Uh, he's won. I mean, his. I think he's on a, he's on like a, I don't know, nine or 10 or 11 or 12, something like that, wins in a row. He hasn't lost the decision um, since losing in 2018 to Juan Carlos Payano. So the guy's a good fighter. I'm not trying to put him, you know, in in the uh, top 10 pound for pound, you know, or top five at the weight or something like that. But you do got to remember, like, it makes – it's a good fight. Anytime it's two top 10 guys, I'm never going to sit there and be like, oh, this fight sucks. Now, sometimes when it's supposed to be another fight, you know, sometimes a a good fight can be looked down upon because you actually wanted. Like, most people would want Spence Crawford over Spence Thurman. Now, I'm not going to shit on Spence Thurman, but of course, we want, you know, we want the the Spence Crawford. That's, That's obvious. But, like, if you look at a career for uh, um, for Aleem, I mean, this makes so much sense for him. You know, it's a good fight. And so, I, I don't know, man. I mean, he he's ranked higher or ranked, you know, a couple different places at 122 in the sanctioning belts. He's ranked uh, a little lower uh, in the WBC than him. Uh, in the WBA... He's actually, Aleem is not ranked in that division, but Mike Planilla is, and he's fourth in the IBF. He's ranked higher. Aleem, once again, is, is ranked 12th. Raiz Aleem is ranked 12th in the IBF compared to fourth. So just that there alone could move him up. Once again, the WBO, which Fulton has, Neri and Planilla are one and two. Aleem is six in that. So this fight makes sense for a variety of reasons. Now, I'm not saying, oh, you should take this fight because, first of all, wasn't it a fight that got canceled? I'm pretty sure it was, if I remember correctly. But it got postponed, obviously. But that's a good fight. Anytime you can get two top ten, you know, top ten guys at a weight class fight, I think it's a good fight. So when you're dumping on that fight, I don't know, dude. I, I think that's a good fight. It's on FS1 a good fight you know what i mean i like it i think it's a good fight whatever i'm gonna say good fight about 17 more times um (laughs) bob aram this is uh from barbershop conversations he said bob aram has said he 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 told Devin haney that he will get the vasily lomachenko fight next if he beats george cambosa's rematch on october 15th or 8th or whatever the date is uh and look if he wins the rematch and Loma's able to leave Ukraine for a tune-up bout first. So obviously he's not going to fight in October and then fight in December. You know what I mean? And I'm talking about both fighters, you know, obviously, but I'm really talking about Devin Haney, you know, because it does sound like he's going to fight there. But Devin Haney said, tune this dick. (laughs) I wanted the fight now. I want the fight now. I'm the champ. I don't have to wait on no one. I mean, that's kind of nonsense, if we're being honest, because, you know, he he signed the contract, so he, he's definitely going to have to um, 
you know, definitely going to have to live up to that. I mean, that's just for sure. By the way, it does sound like on free TV and on YouTube in the Ukraine that um, Usyk made sure, as people did, that, that the Joshua Usyk rematch is going to be there on YouTube or that. So that's pretty cool. I, I kind of like that. Um, oh, Sebastian Fandora is going to return October 8th in a card in Carson, California at the, the war grounds. And is uh, Gabriella Fondora sounds like she's going to be on the undercard. We don't know exactly. Uh, it's not official as far as, you know, the actual fight just yet. But kind of interesting, a little bit interesting there. Um, we'll see who he's going to fight. I mean, he'll probably fight something pretty solid. But, yeah, October 8th, I'm assuming that's showtime. And we are starting to get some trickle of the schedule. We have an October 8th date. That's Jake Donovan, by the way, boxing scene. You know, we have a potential January date for uh, Tim Zhu and Jermel Charlo. We're starting to get some of these dates figured out. We know Spence Crawford. We just need it announced. We don't know if it's done or not. We don't. We just need something announced, whether it's not happening or happening, and and they're going to fight some other. I don't know. I just need it announced here soon, right? A lot of people are talking about that. And this whole, like I said earlier in the show, this whole it's done, it's over, they're miles apart. Everyone just take a deep breath. It's August eighth. It's a it's it's the dog days of summer. It's not necessarily the best time to announce it. I'm not saying I have the inside source and it's already done. It's just a matter of announcing their whole schedule. I'm not saying that. Um, Getting trickles of stuff, just like Leo Santa Cruz, right? It doesn't look like we're going to find out this Friday if that purse bid with Lee Wood actually happens. If it doesn't, there's a great chance that, you know, we're going to see Leo Santa Cruz against Ray Vargas in the unification, which would be a great fight. That'll probably be this year. Um, if not, it'll be really early next year. So it's going to happen here soon. If that, if not, and if that doesn't happen, then that means the Lee Wood fights happen, which is another damn good fight in the weight class, right? So we're starting to hear the trickles. So I'm assuming Showtime, like I said, whether it's a month or two, I don't know. They're going to announce something, or the PBC is going to announce something, whatever. Uh, this is from Nonito Donaire. He has insisted that he will not uh, retire from boxing. After that NUA fight, uh, he says he, he intends to move down to super flyweight and fight Roman Chocolatito Gonzalez in Aoki to become a uh, to give his fifth world class or world uh, heavyweight uh, belt heavyweight. Jesus Christ! Sorry, I'm reading something when I said that. I had it in my notes. <laughs> Five weight classes, world champ. He's going to go down another weight class. Who goes down this much? Remember when Bird went down? Didn't he go to, like, light heavyweight or some shit? Maybe it was cruiserweight. I think he went down to light heavyweight. Anyway, he went down and got battered. But, uh, yeah. Speaking of this division in and around these divisions, we talked about Aleem uh, at 122. It sounds like MJ Akhmaldiev is likely out of the ring for the rest of the year. Um, he's not – because he got injured. He won't be allowed – and this is from uh, Akhmadiev, another fighter there. He said um, 
he he he'll he will be allowed to work uh with punching bags after three months but right now he's just doing light training and running just trying to stay in shape but he will not be so that mj fight with fulton clearly is not going to happen i don't know if it'll ever happen but it's not going to happen this year he is um i did get some messages uh this weekend and then during this show about uh, the fake weigh-in uh, on Rockman, Haseen Rockman, 206.6, um, and how the fight could have happened. Well, first of all, the actual, you know, the, all the weight clauses, like, you, you know, it's 25% of your purse or whatever if you're a pound up, whatever. You know, the, the clauses for the weight, that was at 200. Those agreements and the contract was all signed at 200. Once the commission moved it to 205, it was a new contract with no new clauses. So the fight, the commission, the New York State Athletic Commission was not going to allow the fight happen if it's over 205. So he can make the 206.6. That wouldn't have got him. That wouldn't have gotten. That wouldn't have gotten them over the hump in that fight. Uh, but once again, for him to stay steadfast, not to negotiate, right, because he, he still hasn't denied any of this. You know, he says that he made it sound like he was openly negotiating a new weight because they said, well, shit, the commission gave me 205. I'm going to try 215 and meet in the middle. But at that point, he, he made a statement to the other side saying, I'm weighing at 215. Even if I have to take the $5,000 minimum, I'm going to weigh 215 And they weren't going to sanction the fight. So it wasn't a negotiation. He said it straight up, and he has yet to deny that fact. So <laughs> there you go. So it's, it's just kind of weird. Now, he did release a bunch of sparring clips, but Jake Paul actually released what looked to be a good portion of the sparring. So you you you. You know, you can do whatever you want. Also, a little pushback on um, – so during during the Virgil Ortiz fight, they talked about KSI in his next fight. Now, he's got a new opponent. Something happened to the last guy. I have no interest in the fight. Um, but they said it's on DAZN in the U.S. and DAZN pay-per-view in the U.K., which I understand why that is, UK pay-per-view. Sorry, UK fans, but I get it. But I w- it, it's been disputed back and forth that it's not pay-per-view here. Now, I keep getting these messages saying you're wrong or I'm right or wrong. No, I've heard this, I've heard that. So I went to my DAZN app, and I went in there, and I don't know the fucking guy's name, the new opponent. But it costs $10. Now, it's only 10 bucks. It's not 50 or 80 or nothing like that. I mean, even uh, Jake Paul is at like 50 bucks, right? They're not even charging 75 for Jake Paul here. Um, but the KSI fight is $10 on the zone of the U.S. as of right now. Now, maybe they change it. I don't know. But when you go to click to see the fight, it has a pay there. So... Maybe, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. I know some people are fighting me on that, but 
I literally went there my own self. I did it myself. I didn't just, they told us on the broadcast it wasn't pay-per-view. I heard it the other way that it was. I heard it back and forth. So I said, fuck it. Let's just go look. And I went and looked on my, on my DAZN app. I don't know if it's different in, you know, in different regions of America. You know, and I, I don't know why that would be. I'm just trying to give the benefit of the doubt for these people that are doubting me. But I literally went to the zone and it's 10 bucks. It's a, it's a small pay-per-view number. It's more of a, it's closer to what they pay in the UK. I think that's going to be about 15 or 19 bucks in the UK. I don't remember. But anyway, I'm just saying, you know, what, what I'm seeing here. Um, this is from Everything Boxing, Eddie Hearn. This is also, I believe, on uh, – I can't remember where they got this from. But Ryan Garcia reached out to Maxi Hughes, um, said, do you want to fight in October? I sp- This is Eddie Hearn. I spoke to Golden Boy. Terms have been agreed for Maxi Hughes against Kid Gallahan. If the Ryan Garcia fight popped off, uh, Maxi would definitely take that. He didn't say take that next. So whether that means it's a it's a, a backup fight or not, I don't know. We're going to talk about that in a second. And here someone just sent me this from Michael Benson. He said the DAZN UK pay-per-view price was $11.99 for existing subscribers and $19.98 for new subscribers. So maybe I got the deal over here too because I am a subscriber. I don't know. There was uh, this thing going on boxing Twitter about Steven Espinosa said that he wants the Fulton and Inouye to be a pay-per-view, and Inouye needs more fights in the U.S. to make it, uh, oh, my God, this is the worst. This guy is the worst, he says. And Espinosa, actually, this is uh, J-Ro on, on Twitter, who's a pretty good follow although I have disagreements with him (laughs) over time. But, you know, that's part of it, right? It's cool. But he said that that has to be a pay-per-view. Inouye needs more U.S. exposure. And Espinosa said it. He he never said that. Never said that. So, And I'd never heard him say that. I don't know what interview he was talking about. I, When I heard about that, I was like, where the fuck is this interview? I got to hear that because that's nonsense, you know? And... It's kind of weird because Espinosa said literally I never said that. And J-Roll said, so it can be, so it can happen without pay-per-view? Yes, he said, of course it can. But that's up to the promoters anyway. So that was just on some stupid shit, to be honest with you. It was kind of like, huh? What, what are we talking about here? What exactly are we talking about? Um, do, 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 do. So, oh, this is Kendall Holt. He said, one day, I like Kendall Holt. He's a good fighter. One day I want to be the boxing commissioner in New Jersey. Women's boxing will be will last three minutes around, and championship fights will be scheduled for no less than 12 rounds. Also, there will be absolutely no more 10-round championship fights um, for women. You know, So that's kind of a cool little thing there. I like that because that, that could change. I would like that. I'd like to see that change. Um, so, oh, as far as Jake Paul's business partner, 
talked about the gate because remember the theory was going around a couple theories went around whether it was weight or ticket sales or whatever okay for the reason why that fight got canceled for Jake Paul right and he basically said you know that's bullshit um he said it's he said it had zero to do with ticket sales we already sold more tickets, more gate than Ryan Garcia just did at Staples Center. We were going to be top 10 boxing gate at MSG since 2005. Um, they can try and change the narrative. They can try to destroy, uh, you know, his what he's done as far as selling tickets, blah, 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 blah. So I don't, I don't have the numbers in front of me, so I don't know that for a fact. But I haven't heard people push back at it. <laughs> I will say that. Um, all right. So, so people were talking about. We just heard about how you know Eddie Hearn said he got a call for Maxi Hughes about Ryan Garcia. It does sound like Ryan Garcia, if he doesn't get the tank fight, wants to fight fairly soon. He for sure wants to fight again. Wants to stay active, which is cool. This would be his third fight of the year if he fought in October or whatever, right? And it's not like he had a really super tough fight in his last one out. So, you know, but the mixed messaging here, Oscar literally on Friday, like right around the weigh-in, Oscar is saying something about the fight, you know, the, the toxic, you know, started, right? And that it's a great thing that it, it just, it, they just started, right? And we did hear Espinosa say that, technically speaking, it's early, but the teams are speaking. So I could see the Heyman side reaching out to Garcia's manager and to Ryan Garcia because they had done that in the past. They did that the year before, and they actually – I played you that clip of Ryan Garcia saying that they reached out to us before the fight. They didn't want to try to make the fight before the Fortuna fight. Just get that done, and then we'll talk. So – there is, a, 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 you know, reports right from Espinosa and others saying that they are in some form of early negotiations. My guess is it would be just with the manager. I don't know. I don't know about because Oscar took a couple of weeks to be like, well, we're going to call him. We're going to call him. Hurry, we're going to call him. Then all of a sudden, like literally Friday, he said the talks have started. And then after the fight, leaving the event the next day. He said, no, nah, dude, they're not trying to make the fight, blah, 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 blah. And it's, it's just kind of like he basically said no one answered our calls. They're not trying to move on. I think they're toying with us is what they said. And these are quotes, okay? So instead of just, you know, doing quotes and that's it, I'll play you the audio. So this is, once again, right from the horse's mouth, Oscar De La Hoya. Okay, so I'm just, I'm not going to sit here and say what they're, nego you know, the exact negotiation details and all that, because I don't know them. So I'm not going to sit there and act, I, not too many people know them, right? But I am going to, you know, if they say something in public, like Espinosa did say, that they are, the negotiations have started. How real are they? How, you know, he did also mention, honestly, he said, there are some barriers, and we know the, the main barrier. It's actually not probably weight. It's the fact that the zone 
and Showtime would have to split the pay-per-view, right? Well, this is what this is what Oscar said, okay? Not me, not you. This is what the great legendary fighter said about this fight the day before. So last Friday, Virgil Ortiz weighed. about that fight that's that's the only fight that Ryan wants um, that's uh, the only fight that uh, that tank wants um, look, we're, we're talking we're talking so that's a start uh, yeah it's a great start I mean to, to get to talk to the other side is a great start so we want the fight that's, that's that's the bottom line so as negotiations continue maybe we'll release something but uh, uh, in the meantime we're keeping everything hushed because, uh, yeah, we want to surprise everybody with this super fight that's, that's, that's happening uh, um, later on in this year. So this is what he said. Not me, not you. This is what Oscar said. You hear him even at the end say that this fight's going to happen. I mean, he didn't announce it, but he was like, we're going to surprise people. We want to announce it. And, you know, we want we want a fight that's going to happen. Now, He's just saying it. I'm not, I'm not trying to put words in his mouth as far as, oh, he said it. It's coming. You know, I'm not saying that. But he said there, you got enough out of that to see that he, he said they're talking, right? And he said maybe we'll announce something soon as far as an update on it, right? Because sometimes that happens. We've gotten an update from Espinosa and other folks, when it, mostly Espinosa, actually, that when it comes to Spence Crawford and all that. He said, you know, the reports of the, the fight's off or they're so far away, they're, they're completely screwed, they're, they're, they're not going to do it, are uh, premature. And he said, you know, he feels like there's still a chance for it to happen and all that. I don't really know what's up with that. But this is also literally the very next day leaving the venue. This is what he right said. Now, I mean, listen. Ryan and Tank uh, negotiations? Zero whatsoever. But there are talks. Hey, we're trying to get a hold of Tank Fight. We don't know who to talk to. Nobody picks up their phone. Nobody calls back. I'm just going to rewind. Whatsoever. But there are talks. Hey, we're trying to get a hold of Tank Fight. We don't know who to talk to. Nobody picks up their phone. Nobody calls back. I feel the playing game. So I'm moving on, and I'm going to Gio Fimo's fight next week. So he said, there's been, there's zero talks, right? It's literally the next day, dude, okay? And I know people are going to come down on me, you know, for ripping Oscar because he's so goddamn famous, and he was such a great legendary fighter. I enjoyed his fights. The guy fought everybody. Uh, you know, I don't give a shit. I mean, I do care about him as far as a human being having problems. I'm not, I don't care about, if people have their issues, everybody has their issues, man. I've had my issues. You've probably had your issues. Everybody has issues, man. You know, so I'm not going to sit here and rip them and, and like I'm going to go out of my way to make them look stupid or something like that, okay? Because I don't like to do that. I don't like to do that. I think that's bullshit. The guy has some issues. He's dealing with them. He's trying to. We know they've been well documented. He's been open about it. For the most part, it seems like he's been very honest about it. 
there are some times, you know, in the press conferences or in interviews, you can kind of tell something's going on. But, hey, like I said, everybody has their issues. So I know people are going to try to do that and call me a PBC or Gervonta or Mayweather. You know, I love these guys so much, and that's why, you know, I'm, I'm, this is from his fucking mouth. He just said the talks have started. Before he was, like, calling him yet, he's like, I'm going to have my guy Diaz call him. And it's like, why didn't you already do that, for one? But okay, you're going to have that. Then he did the, uh, the fight height interview that Floyd, Floyd, <laughs> Floyd said, you have to do a fight height video. That'll be one of the stipulations, which is stupid. But he did it, right? So I give him credit. Oscar did it. Um, whether he's doing it because he's trying to show he's making the fight or not, I don't know. But he did do it. You got to you know, you say that. That's a fact. But on August 5th, to say, you know, we're, we're talking now. The talks just started. That's great. And I may give you an update in the coming, you know, weeks or whatever. But I want to keep it quiet. I want to get this stuff done. And then we want to announce this fight and surprise everybody. And then literally, like 24 hours later, leaving the venue, he says, there's been zero talks. There's no talks. They're not picking up the phone. When we know there is actually talks, we know that somebody's picked up. You know, I'm not saying they've been picking them. They're trying to talk to the manager and the fighter first. And it's basically what the zone did, if we're being honest. That's what the zone kept doing to PBC fighters. And the media and fans didn't have a big problem with that. But now I guess there's a problem if Al Heyman's side reaches out to the manager in the fighter, Ryan Garcia, you know, first. I guess that's a problem now. I don't know. But you heard him. He said, no one's picking it up. I think they're playing with me. I'm moving on. Teofimo Lopez, I'm going to his next fight. That's the fight I'm going to make to look or make to make, you know, look to make. So this is him. Okay, this is what he's telling us. So what's that tell you? I don't know. I could see how he may be aggravated, you know, that maybe some talks are going on behind his back. And they're going to say, hey, we like the deal or we don't like the deal, whatever. I don't know. But I talked about this, and I just want to wrap this up quickly. Like, we don't know. I've never heard Ryan Garcia nor his manager say that it has to be a split pay-per-view. And I still haven't heard anybody make it official that Ryan Garcia is signed to the zone, not just Golden Boy, but also the zone. Then I could understand that more because then it's like, shit, you're locked to the damn network. That's different, or the streaming platform, whatever. So that's where we stand. This is him saying this publicly. So first of all, Al Heyman won't make this fight, you know, blah, blah, blah. Then he said, we're going to talk to him. Then he said, yep, we just started talking. Now the next day it's over. We're done. Fuck him. You know, it's, I don't know what, I don't know what to think of it. To me, it does sound like he's pissed that maybe they're negotiating and right now he's not involved and the offer will be given to him saying, hey, this is what I want to do. Ryan Garcia's manager will probably say, hey, if they like the deal, I don't know if they do or not. We'll, we'll find out. But 
All right, boxing Twitter, then we're out of here. F the zone, 50% subscription price increase. Well, I'm not going to say F the zone yet. Fuck no. You can put that thing on pause, by the way. I did that during the pandemic. Now, I don't think everybody can do it because I know some people were having problems with that, but I was able to pause my uh, subscription. But he's basically like, I've been a huge fan of the zone. He loved the value at 100 per year, which is 833 a month. A month. Then they went to pay-per-view. Um, now they've just announced uh, from a hundred dollars, basically ninety-nine to one hundred forty-nine. And of course, it's ninety-nine ninety-nine. You know, so it's basically a hundred bucks to one hundred fifty. So he, this guy, just canceled. It's like, well, let, let's let's wait a little bit. But yeah, they they did go up fifty percent. That is factual. He's not saying, you know, I think it's. It's a little, it's a little more than, uh, say, Showtime right now because I can get Showtime for eleven dollars, so it's like twelve something, which is not a big increase. I'm a hardcore fight fan. There's going to be fights that I'll like on there, period. You know, so it doesn't really affect me, but it is kind of crazy how they did, you know, go a hundred percent. Remember they went from ninety-nine, basically ten bucks to twenty bucks. And now they're 25 bucks a month. So they've gone up $15 a month since they, they started in 2019. So, yeah, that is a little – that is a that is a that quite a jump. But ESPN Plus, I did announce that a couple weeks ago that they uh, – well, not announced it, but they – you know, they it went up a handful of dollars too. I think it went up like 40%. Um, but it's still, you know, the price. So – I don't know. Uh, more boxing Twitter. Terrence Crawford at the UFC event tonight instead of Showtime event is just another example of how terrible he is at promoting himself. I think that's nonsense. First of all, he was, wasn't he sitting by Mike Tyson? I mean, I, I saw all this video uh, randomly coming up on my Twitter feed. If anything, being at the UFC event that night was a good look, especially if you're sitting by Tyson. So I don't. That was a big, if I remember correctly, wasn't that a big UFC night, fight night? Maybe I'm wrong, but I don't think, it's not like people are going to watch, uh, and they must have been talking about, well, maybe it was the Danny Garcia. Maybe maybe it was the Danny Garcia fight. I don't know. No, wasn't he there? He was there, wasn't he? I don't remember. I, I actually thought this guy was talking about the Magsayo uh, Ray Vargas fight. I'm not sure, but no, I don't think that's right either. But to be at a USC event and I saw him sitting next to Tyson, I, I don't, I, I don't know, dude. I think that's pretty bullshit. Uh, Espasar, Espasar, wait a second, hold on. Is she, is she trying to? This tweet is cut off here. Esparza, there we go. Esparza wins in dominant fashion. People are hating on her for lack of power, but. There's a lot of dudes that don't have high KO ratings in those weight classes. That's a good point. That was D-style. That is a good point. Uh, this is exposing boxing myths. Can't wait for King Rai versus Tia Fimo on the joint pay-per-view between DAZN and ESPN. <laughs> yeah, I wonder what Bob would have to say about the joint pay-per-view. Because uh, his, you know, he wasn't down for better Bia than Bivol. <laughs> You know, he said he's not going to – remember he called his own dead zone? Um, 
I think LRP said that too. I don't know. But obviously it's not dead zone. But um, you never know. Maybe Ryan Garcia's, you know, ability to draw. I mean, he outdraws Teofimo Lopez uh, at the uh, at the gate. That's just a fact. So maybe he would be willing to 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 do something like that. I don't know. Uh, the dumbest shit I've seen on here, meaning Twitter, is Loma shouldn't need a tune-up to fight Devin. Uh, you Devin fans should want Loma to get a tune-up. Uh, then it's less excuses, the better, unless y'all aren't confident Devin will win. And uh, most valued opinion, what's up, Matt? He said, laugh in Nicholas Walters' voice. Because uh, remember, Walters didn't get him get a tune-up. He was off for a year before he fought that, so I thought that was kind of funny. Blah, 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 blah. I do think Loma should get a fight, because uh, he's got a fight in October anyway, more than likely, uh, for, for Haiti. So, you know, it is what it is. Okay, and then Jamie Cox uh, said, Lomachenko, probably the, the best talent, most probably, <laughs> the best talent that ever lived in boxing. 396 and one in the amateurs and 16 and two in the pros. Numbers don't lie. So he's the best talent ever in boxing ever. I mean, I don't know, dude. I, well, I do know. I don't. I don't believe that. I don't believe that to be uh, true. Someone sent me something about. I, I mentioned this earlier about Jake Paul paying 50 percent of the contracted purses contractual purses for for the fighters on that card. One, that's awesome because, yeah, it's not full money, but still half your purse for not fighting because it got canceled is dope. And I think he said three fights are going to get rescheduled, but the other fights on that undercard, those, you know, those fighters could go wherever they wanted, wherever, you know, if some, something came up, you could take that opportunity. So that's pretty dope. Anyway, I'm going to get out of here. I don't think there's too much more. I'm, I'm getting, uh, you know, some, I don't know. <laughs> there's, there's some messages going on right now about the A-side, B-side stuff for that Gervonta and Ryan Garcia. But I, I don't really want to talk about it, to be honest with you. Um, by the way, next week, I'm thinking about doing that. Since we're not going to have a lot of recap, we will have a big fight weekend. Led, of course, headlined by, you know, the rematch between AJ. Can AJ do something against uh Usyk, that'll turn the tide. But next week, remember we were talking, because, you know, a couple of people recently have said I ducked this. Of course, I'm ducking everything that they want me to talk about, right? Um, remember when we talked about fights on pay-per-view, how there's just certain fights, like the first two Fox fights this, this year were not pay-per-view worthy. Thurman and Barrios, and then uh, Ortiz and Charles Martin. Now, for a half the amount of money, that was a banging card, I'll always say that. But yeah, the main event, that, was a, that wasn't a pay-per-view main event. But we're going to go over that pay-per-view segment over the last 20-plus years. Basically, what is the worst pay-per-view you paid for, right? We're going to talk about, even if there, you know, some of these fights that did below 300000 or even below 200000 it's kind of funny, the list of fights, and some of them are household names you'd think right that still did under 200,000 I just think it's an interesting topic you know if you've been a life life 
a lifelong fan or you have been for the last 10, 15 years, what is the worst pay-per-view you paid for? I've heard a lot of people say Bobby Gunn against Roy Jones Jr. is probably the worst one they paid. That's a pretty bad one. There's some. There's been some pretty bad pay-per-views. Uh, wasn't was the Dawson Hopkins? Well, Hopkins Roy Jones when they're wait like when Roy Jones was so past it. That was a pay-per-view, I believe. There's a list of pay-per-views that you're like, really? I brought this up because it was a hot topic to close the year and at the beginning of the year, especially with those Fox pay-per-views. Um, but we have had, like, uh, Top Rank was on the outs with HBO because HBO's budget fell apart. Uh, Oscar Valdez against Mariaga, that was a pay-per-view. That, that, wasn't a pay- that shouldn't have been a pay-per-view. There's, there's a lot of fights. But like I said, I've heard a lot of people talk about basically since the PBC started doing pay-per-views that HBO and other people would never do shitty pay-per-views like this like a Thurman Barrios or whatever, right? And it's like, are you sure? (laughs) Because, like I said, being a lifelong, I saw the beginning of pay-per-view and where it is today. And the list is going to surprise you. And there's even names that they make it sound like anything below 300,000 pay-per-view buys would just never get made in the past, right? And that's bullshit because even Oscar De La Hoya has a goddamn fight that's lower than you'd think. You know what I mean? So it's a fun segment to look back in the last 20, 25 years or whatever at pay-per-views that shouldn't have been pay-per-views. So that's kind of an interesting segment that we talked about months and months ago, and I just stashed it for a dead time. And there's not much going on this weekend. A good chunk of the first part of the show is is generally recap, so there's not going to be a lot of recap. I think it's a good time. So if you want to send me messages, what's the worst pay-per-view you paid for? What's where you're just like, God. And some of them are good matchups. They just turn out to be one-sided or just boring in the, in the, you know, in the fight, too. There's plenty of good fights that have been on, like, uh, that didn't perform well. Like, on paper, Crawford Postal was a pay-per-view. Well, neither of them were really ready to be on pay-per-view yet, so that sucked to be on a pay-per-view. But, hey, it was for the lineal championship at 140. So it was legit. It was just so one-sided. After the first round or two, Crawford just whitewashed him after that. So uh, it's going to be a fun little segment. Anyway, I'm going to get out of here. Enjoy the weekend. Let's Hopefully we can get a good fight out of nowhere. I'm out of here. Peace.